got a fuck ton of bunkers on it, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you carry them all. Matters when you gotta edge them all. <laughs> you guys are speaking a different language. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh. oh man. And that is the cold open for Drunk Valorant, <laughs> episode number. Oh fuck me! Come on, ninety one. I don't no, think ninety. 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 Right. Let me take it. Let me take a gander here. I don't think I've said ninety yet. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's. You 90. have not. It is ninety. All right, here we are, Drunk Valorant episode ninety. Um. Well, I already know Hunter has a nap in the beer. So Chase, what do you got in hand? <laughs> That's actually not Watch him not today. have an epin beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably not. Um, uh, but since you went to me first, uh, I will take it. I'm drinking a Wild North Brewing Company Kootenai River Raspberry Sour, um, which I bought because the can is dope. Yeah, um, does look pretty dope. Yeah, I'm sure. All the listeners the... are excited about that. Uh, yeah, it's a West Coast. West Coast. West Coast can. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now yeah. you know it's it's just like a mountain silhouette with like a cool geometric river going through it. Um, but it looks really cool. There, this brewery is from Creston, BC, which I assume is somewhere around here, but I don't know exactly where. Um, but you know, I live in the Kootenays, so this is obviously also from the Kootenays, mm-hmm. the region. Um, well, I'm cool. going to try it, though. Cool. And um, as expected, it's delicious. It's uh, a <laughs> very raspberry forward. Um, Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that sounds yeah. good. I think I'd like that as well. Yeah, like very much like raspberry puree tasting, but in like a very good way. Uh, that That does sound really good. And not creamy, so I like that. Mm. Speaking of, did you put one of those beers that I asked you to in your fridge? Uh, one of what beers? Uh, like the one that you had last week on the pod. No, no, I've not been back to the liquor store. This was from the same liquor store run. Oh, okay. Well, you should, yeah. you should do that. I think Hannah and I are planning on heading out there. Okay. End of September. Well, that's well, good news cool. to me. Mm. Um, Hunter. Yes. Yeah, so... Apparently, you're not drinking enough, in beer, <laughs> no, which is no. which is very odd. I thought you were going to bring out that like stout or whatever that was. Yeah, it, it's not Neppin. I, I am bringing out the no. stout. Yeah, this is the the Red Eclipse by Heavy Seas. Um, this is probably my favorite stout I've had. Still, I'm often not in the mood for it, but it's uh, quite good. It is a bourbon barrel aged vanilla stout with cherries. And in fact, it might have been kind of hard to see, but it's like a cherry that's making an eclipse instead of like the moon <laughs> on the can. Mm-hmm. That's um, a pretty cool can, or I guess bottle instead yeah. of a can. Yeah, I, I said can, didn't I? Yeah, bottle. Um, yeah, it's it's a very rich stout. Like you can definitely taste the the bourbon and the vanilla and cherry. It has sort of a dessert taste almost because you can definitely get all three of those flavors. It's just very rich and definitely not a crushable beer by any means. But the flavors are all very good. Interestingly enough, I love bourbon, mm-hmm. and I have yet to have a bourbon-aged beer, or really? a bourbon barrel-aged beer that I like. Oh, that you like? I thought you were just going to say yeah. that you hadn't had no, one no, of, no, like, no. Beer like yet. I've, I, I've, I've had a number of them because I'm like, oh, well, I, I like bourbon. Mm-hmm. Like bourbon barrel-aged beer sounds good to me, um, especially when it's not, you know, a stout and it's an ale. Mm-hmm. Um, like bourbon, like bourbon barrel beige, uh, aged IPAs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I, I've never found one I liked. 
Interesting. Yeah. And I don't think that bourbon and beer mix very well, um, at least in my opinion. Yeah, there's something about the combination here where I love the vanilla flavor and the cherry note on top of like this rich, almost like hints of chocolate and um, coffee is kind of the blend, the effect that I'm getting, even though those aren't directly the flavors. The cherry and the, the vanilla really, you know, swirl in well with all that. So it's it's a it's a nice experience. For me. I'd say, don't get me wrong. Like I understand it would be a very good flavor in a stout. I right, just right. happen to hate stouts. Oh yeah. So yeah. I think my my dislike for for the bourbon, like as well as cast, does not come from um, the bourbon in the stout. It comes from the stout in the stout. Right, uh, right. And then I don't think that the bourbon mixes well with like IPAs or other like mm-hmm. lighter beers. That, yeah, that's fair. I, I don't think you'd have like a, a hazy <laughs> IPA, uh, you know, bourbon aged. Um, no, I've, I've had a bourbon barrel aged uh sour before too that's that's very yeah. out there though like that's definitely not a common yeah thing. it is a little out there yeah i didn't like it but it could have also been the other stuff in the sour that i didn't like i just bought it because it had bourbon on the can and i like bourbon so mm-hmm. this is also clocking in at a nice 10 percent abv which i don't really that is a nice thing about mm-hmm. yeah that is a nice thing about dark beers is high abvs mm-hmm. but also high price tags mm-hmm. um if you're looking at like craft breweries you know, they'll be like, oh, wow, you know, all this IPA and this sour, they're like five fifty a can. That's pretty pricey. And you look over at their, their stout and it's like $14 and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> See, that's really interesting because I don't, I didn't pay that close attention when I bought this to know how much it was. So yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if, if this one was crazy expensive versus the IPAs I bought. There's this, um, there's this triple IPA. Uh, by I want to say it's by Lupolo Brewing that I've seen at the the local liquor store that I go to, and it's like an eleven percenter. I've been looking at it and I've been debating like, do I want this? Because it's priced like any other beer, right? But the triple just seems to be like, like I, I like that that might just be too much. I've had a like, triple IPA before that was like quite good. I, like I've had yeah. some triples before that are good, but the last time uh, when I was seeing my um, my coworker Dylan off the day he for uh, flew or the day before he flew to Hawaii, uh, we yeah, met up seeing down sucking at, same thing, right? Yeah, um, bef- we we met up at uh, Kitts Beach to just like have a few beers um, before he flew out the next day, um, and he brought me a triple IPA uh, and. I cracked it, I had one sip, and I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be tough. Like, it was tough to drink. I don't think that's a beach beer. No, it was, well, it, it also didn't help that I started with a Rattler. Which yeah, which is, is definitely a beach beer. beer. Yeah, uh, but then I, like, yeah, he brought two beers for for each of us. It was me, him, and Sammy. Um, and he's like, oh, I, I, I got you a triple IPA. I know you're an IPA kind of guy. Um, and man, it was, that was brutal to get down. Well, what are you brutally getting down today? <laughs> um, I took it back to, took it back to the roots here a little bit. Just, uh, uh field house or backcountry? Backcountry. Okay. <laughs> Kept it nice and easy. Caught a four pack of Widowmakers. Nice. Oh, man. Yeah. That's, Always that's a, a solid. Yeah. It's such a good beer. I like, I hadn't had it for a while. Um, there was, 
like I went into the liquor store and there was just like a gaggle of I'm guessing second year UBC girls that presumably moved into a house nearby. Um, they're like, yeah, it's the beginning of the school season. Feels yeah. weird not being in school anymore. Uh, they're like yeah. twenty. They're like twenty people in there crowding around like the single can like fridges, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. ah, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go over there and take my time and disrupt them and figure out what beers I want. I'm like, ah, just oh, you missed a golden over. opportunity to flex your beer knowledge on them. To be like, hey, what do you want? I can tell you what's good here. Well, so here's the interesting thing, Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy at the register was carting them as they were checking out while I was also checking out. And they're younger than my sister, which just puts that anywhere out of contention in any way, shape, or form. Hey, I, I didn't say where you're going from the flex. <laughs> you just missed the opportunity for the initial flex. You know, give yourself yeah. a little, uh, you know, confidence boost. You just have a good Yeah, does it not feel good flex. to have a gaggle of girls be like, ooh, he knows what a hazy IPA is? Yeah. <laughs> this is like more of a fantasy i don't think that this is actually (laughs) what would happen i think they'd be like um thanks i think we're going for the dinosaurs yeah yeah Yeah, like here's the thing like i'll i'll be very i'm very happy whenever i get to discuss something with someone that like Mm -hmm. i have knowledge on and we have like a fun conversation about it and then if they're attractive even if they're not someone i would pursue romantically it just makes it all the more fun that's all i'm saying I'm not. I'm not suggesting anything crazy <laughs> here. I'm just saying it's fun to, you know, show off what well, you what your uh, skills are a little bit. Yeah, that comes off one of two ways. One, what you're saying, like, oh yeah, there's a little bit of a flex. The other way is just you're fucking creepy. I mean, the third way is you're a helpful stranger. Yeah, I mean, it depends oh, on okay, your approach. Right. You say, yeah. "Hey, <laughs> shut up, everyone! You better listen to me on these beers." You're like, "Oh, excuse me, I- I'm looking over here." Oh, oh, you're you're looking at that beer? You know, I have some opinions on that and some others. Let me let me fill you in. Let me give you the Let me fill you in. Actually, listen to the last eighty nine episodes of my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking about beer in the verse like it varies between five to twenty minutes. So just like Mm. listen to the first bit of each episode and yeah. Then you'll know. What you didn't realize was that was the number six game changers team uh boot camping in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. But at any rate, yeah, I, I just I kept it easy. Just grabbed a four pack of the Widowmakers. Um Yeah. Well, that's about all I got for beer, unless you guys have any uh closing statements. I mean that's about all I got for Valorant, yeah. so yeah, alrighty. <laughs> On the beer. Oh wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about today in Valorant uh has to do with the non-info sentinel roles Ooh. which is sage and deadlock um neither of which are particularly meta and what i've kind of recently sort of been thinking and coming to the conclusion of is i don't think that they ever really will be Unless a non-info sentinels kit is so drastically overtuned. Well, it's interesting simply, that you led with it that way. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, simply because Viper does a better job on defense. Mm, you've got multiple things here. I am way more scared 
of pushing into a site that Viper is locking down than I am about going into a Sage or a Deadlock. I mean, yeah, definitely. It's just harder to break onto site against a Viper. Yeah. I mean, I think... Uh, well, Hunter, you go first. You're in the middle of something. Yeah, I, I have two thoughts. One is that if you're looking to do a really hard, uh, you know, really fast push, uh, particularly if you are on a save and you're just trying to, you know, send all five through a choke, try to overwhelm the defenders on site, I would say that Sage's ability to really physically slow you down is something that is more significant than the Viper in that, you know, you can just say, we're going to send it and a couple of us are going to get through before the Molly lands and the others of us are, you know, maybe I'm going to take a couple ticks from that. But at that point, the Viper's got our, our jet and our uh, aggressive brim in their face. Um, so, like, I think that in some cases, a Sage can be better at slowing down things. But um, I want to go back around to you picking um, Sage and Deadlock as the non-info initiators. Because I would actually say... Uh, Admirals. Yeah, initiators. Sorry, not info sentinels, yes. Because <laughs> um, I would say that Sage is the one true zero info whatsoever uh, sentinel. However, mm-hmm. I would kind of put Deadlock and Chamber in a similar category. Because, well, obviously Chamber's trip uh, is... It, it always activates if someone's in line of sight. So it will catch someone who's creeping on the flank. Whereas Deadlock's sonar will not. Deadlock also gets two of them. And Chamber's Trip, I think, is one of the easiest to avoid uh, pieces of util in the game because you can smoke it off very easily. Unlike a KJ turret, which, you know, I guess you could smoke it off, but, like, if it's further back towards where the enemies might actually be, they'll see that smoke come out. Whereas the Chamber Trap, if you just, you know, put a smoke right there by you, maybe no one's actually looking at that. Maybe they're kind of far to hear it. Um, So I would honestly put Chamber and Deadlock in the same category of, like, having some info, but not very good info. And I, I think it's worth bringing Chamber into this conversation as well. Okay. Now, the reason why I avoided Chamber is twofold. Number one, his role is slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two, as far as non-info goes, I don't need utility to get past Deadlock shit. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, if you're playing a non-smoke agent, um... Also, I don't know, are jets smokes long enough to get past that anymore? Well, it depends on how far you have to go past it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah. Probably, but also, you gotta make noise now. Like, you gotta gotta kind of run past it. You definitely can't walk past it anymore. Yeah. Um, You gotta make noise by throwing a smoke. That is true. But, yeah, yeah. I don't know, just maybe in, like, all the shit going down, the the, the noise of the smoke is just, is like, less than a run, Is for less sure. than you literally running behind them on flank. Right, right. Um, At that point, you might as well just shoot the... Yeah. Trip, though. Right. Um, Depending on circumstances, of course. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, basically, Chamber's trip still functions as you need to deal with this to get past it. Yeah, I was just I just was saying Deadlocks, that I think it's worth it. Inc- yeah. You just walk past it. Also, I, I didn't include chamber for other like you don't like you you play chamber because you wanna pop. Like Chamber just does the sentinel role differently. He still does the job of denying the enemy team space, which is the job of a sentinel. He just yeah. 
does it differently. I, I which see what is you're why I wasn't really including them in this. Yeah, I guess I both, what you're saying, and I, yeah, I, go ahead. I, I would say that I also agree with um, putting Sage and Deadlock into this category because um, you don't pick a Deadlock because of her flank watch or her trips. Like that's they they're used most effectively not in the same way that a trip is used. Right, yeah. like the the stuns are used most effectively not in that way. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it you might as well just not exist in that category. Like it, it's a different thing that you're using to play off of in a, in a different, completely different way. So um, I think that it's fair to put those two in the category. Yeah, I'm coming around on that. If we change, just changing the you know the way we're talking about it a little bit to be not just non info sentinel, but non info sentinel who has the role of being able to anchor site and slow down pushes with utility because Chambers' well, big I thing mean, is after the trip goes off, he just has to shoot people. That, that's all mm-hmm. he's got. Whereas both Sage and Deadlock have other things that they can use to hopefully stop the, the push from happening. And, and you know, well, Viper Chamber, that's that utility. Chamber also has a nope. Right, but the yeah. nope doesn't slow anyone down inherently. If no, he just no, misses his shot and TPs away, that doesn't <laughs> slow down the site hit at all. It probably accelerates it, to be honest. Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 So I'm I'm on board with the conversation now that we've clarified things. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah. Okay. So like, yeah. To to just explain that maybe a bit more. I'm thinking of like reactive sentinels. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like the idea is like Sage and Deadlock are supposed to be more reactive than proactive. Yeah. Um, specifically in reference to KJ and Cipher, who. Well, you want to set your shit up, and then they do stuff. Okay, so yeah. at any rate, I digress. Um, I think that, like, the, I, as, just to make it simple, we're going to call them info versus non-info sentinels here, and I'm grouping chamber into the info sentinels. Um, I feel like that they will potentially always have the role in team comps. Um, as for which one gets played, it's, it you know, that's just how each of them are tuned, how the map design works, other things like that. But, like, it it gives you the benefit of both on, like, number one, they can watch flank on attack. Number two, you don't need a face check anything to know that somebody isn't there. Deadlock and Sage can't do that. Deadlock and Sage have to face check to know whether somebody is there or not. Um... And Viper just does a better job of stalling them out or stalling the enemy team out. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're going to get an argument for either, from either Hunter or I yeah. um, mm-hmm. that Viper is just better at locking down site, right? Like doing that part of the Sentinel role, quote yeah. unquote. Um, you know, we, we've thrown around, you know, combo terms in the past, but, you know, calling Viper a uh, controller Sentinel, I think is not a very hard stretch. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I don't know if this is a problem. I think that's more of where I'm go- thinking with this. Like, it, Sage is always going to have her niche picks uh, on on maps. Like, Sage is very viable on Split, which is in the map pool currently. Incredibly viable on Icebox, which is not in the map pool currently. Um, and I think that you might, if uh, if Deadlock is tuned a little bit or people understand how to use her better, um, see some sort of pick rate like that with uh, with her, but 
you're probably not going to get universal like Killjoy um, pick rate with either of those characters just because of the role that they play. Um, and that's okay. Um, honestly, I think that they are tuned well for their situations in which they're good, if that makes sense. Um, Both if you make them any... Deadlock? I think Deadlock might be undertuned right now, but it's hard to hard to understand that when she's been in the game for not very long. Um, obviously, characters come and go with metas. But I think that Sage is in a pretty good spot. Sage has only been hit with nerfs ever. Um, mm, yeah. But I think that that's okay, because she is very strong in, in the situations where she is useful. Um, and the, the maps that are good for, for her, and I can see Deadlock being in a similar position, or they should try to get her into a similar position, um, where that, that's all right as well. Um, you're, not, you're just not going to have like more universal, where like a KJ is good on pretty much any map. And like a cipher is good on pretty much any map, you know, you can make it work. So, but also, I think that like, is there any other character in the game that has an outright useless ability? At this point, I would say no, because for a long time it was Brimstone Beacon and Yoru mm -hmm. um, fake footsteps that occupied the space of useless ability, but neither of those exist anymore. In in their current form, and sorry, in yeah. their old form. Are you talking about Deadlock, or are you talking about Sage? Yeah, yeah, no, no, Deadlock. Deadlock stun. The Gravnet. Yeah, oh, the Gravnet. The grenade. Oh yeah, it's, 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 the to the to the point that I garbage. didn't even remember that existed. Yeah, it's garbage. Yeah, yeah it's it's so yeah. quick to remove it, and like if you're being actively pushed, so you don't have a chance to remove it, you can just take the shot. Yeah. Like, no, I yeah. the the one the one thing that I have seen it in like a clip being used. The very good effect is um, a deadlock had a lineup to back rock on bind a site, and then the brim ulted you haul. Mm. And so anybody who was running out got stuck in the grab net and then died in the brim ult because they weren't actually able to get all the way out. Um, cool. Yeah, we, we were talking about how it seems Holy like a worse fuck, fade seize. Situational. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A fade seize to do the exact same thing, or a sage slow. Um, there's nothing yeah, sage, unique. Sage slow is probably better. Yeah, there's nothing unique about the fact that like she can do this. It works. It was cool to see. You could toss a raise nade back there and get the same effect. Well, the raise nade is being a little silly because the raise nade is one of the best abilities in the game. So that's kind of a funny comp. But I'm just saying, like, but, if yeah. the goal is to be like, hey, either you run into our crosshairs out of the front of U-Haul and die, or you try to escape out of the back of U-Haul and gotcha, you're dead anyway. Yeah, I mean, functions for that too. Yeah, Brim does that by himself a lot, where you molly off an area and then ult behind it, so they have to run through yeah. your molly to get out. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that somebody pointed out is, um, oftentimes a, uh, a deadlock wall functions the exact same way as a Molly does. How's that? Well, cause you can still shoot through the wall, right? Yeah. So if you're throwing the wall to stop a push, it does the same thing as a Molly does. You put them, it's like, it's like putting a Molly on the choke. Except they just have to spend a few more bullets to get through it. 
Yeah, except it doesn't allow the uh, fuck you, I'm pushing the molly. Yeah, granted, it also doesn't allow a jet or a raise to just get through it. I think Yoru still TP through that shit. TP through what? I'm pretty sure Yoru, I'm, I'm pretty sure Yoru's TP will still travel through deadlock barrier. Um, I think it does. I, does it? I'm not sure. I, I, think, I haven't tested I think this. Omen can TP through it too. Which, like, they could both do in the context of a Molly as well. Now, so... my, my gut feeling is that Yoru cannot, but Omen can. Because Yoru's orb is blocked by anything that blocks movement. Whereas Omen's TP is based on line of sight, with some exceptions. So I, I think it's Omen yes, Yoru no. I saw a weird interaction with this wall, though, recently, where something went through that I was like, oh, I don't know if that should. Um, it could have been a Yoru decoy. Um, hmm. And maybe it was like a like a bug or something like that, but I kind of remember that being the case where a decoy just walks straight through the deadlock wall. Yeah, there was a bug at launch of deadlock that I don't know if they've fixed yet or not, where you could place a Yoru decoy in the center of the deadlock wall, and then when you activate it, it breaks it would immediately. Break it. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's still in the game or not, because honestly, I haven't been playing very much, but I saw clips of that when deadlock first came out. I'm trying to Google it, and there are people talking about it, but nobody's confirming it. There's a YouTube clip I could watch that might explain it, but then I'd have to have audio in the recording, so I'm not going to do that. Um, Turn this into a video podcast all of a sudden. I, I, okay. The episode. I, I think that there are two things that Yoru can do to shenanigans, getting his way through Deadlock's wall off of what I kind of remember and intuition. I think you can kind of, like, jump set his TP above one of the walls. And so it, like, drops over onto the other side. So if it's, like, a really good one in which there are two things that you have to get over, like, maybe you could do it right over the center. I'm not sure. But I'm pretty sure you can get through one of the one of the four quadrants. I, I, I'm going to stop you right there, Chief, and say that that doesn't make a ton of sense to me for the reason that Yoru's teleport orb always has to have something under it. Like, it has to be based on a surface. You can't just, yeah, like... Yeah, you can stand on top of... you. Okay, but you can, like, boost yourself up with Deadlock's Wall, so you can just be on Deadlock's Wall. It's so Deadlock's it, okay, it's, Wall it's possible. can be underneath yeah, it's, it's possible, yeah. That, that, that may be a possibility. All right, you know what? I'm just gonna mute Chrome here and watch this video, and then I'll get back to you guys on, uh... on that. Um... But... I don't know. I, like, I, I still think that's a, like... Like, sure. Perhaps you can argue that this is better, but it's, to me, it's kind of close enough to a... Kind of close enough to a Molly. In that context, like... Mm -hmm. I don't see it being that much better. I mean, sure, but does it need to be? Okay, I, I guess my question is this. What are the contexts in which you see it being better than Sagewall? I mean, now, I, just to be clear, I'm in agreement with you that I think it's a little bit... It's not a terrible ability, but it's a little weak. However, the the general theory is in a position where you have to get through two of the small walls, so you might be better off all focusing on just breaking the center orb, because the center orb has significantly more health than Sagewall, than one Sagewall section has. 
and probably comparable to the entire sage wall. If I, I don't remember the specifics, but I just remember it being a fairly impressive amount of health, health overall for the center orb. Yeah, so it takes a lot of bullets, um, which bold economy is now a thing. Um, it's not that big of a deal, yeah, contextually and around, um, yeah. but neither is the sage wall if you think about it that way. Uh, if you're just like, hey, let's go break the sage wall mid, you, you can do that quite effectively every round. Um, it lasts for a long time. I don't know what the comparison is to, to Sage Wall. Um, it's less than Sage Wall. I think it's 30 seconds versus 40. I no, that's it's correct. a minute, I thought. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the wiki. It's it's uh, 30 seconds. Oh, okay. I thought it was a minute that it was... Active. Yeah, a minute oh. would be insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that should be wild, yeah. But also, like, I feel like if we're talking about split here, the Sage Wall does a few things. Um, number one, it lets you know that nobody's through mid, barring TP shenanigans, um, slash jet and raise. But it also allows for safe rotates through mid. Deadlock, which this doesn't do, does not. Sage wall allows for free for free plants, which was a big part of the icebox meta. Uh, which I don't think Sage will end up being super meta on Icebox anymore because they changed. Or last I heard, I don't think it's back in the pool yet, but they changed a couple things about Icebox that make Sage less necessary. Um, and they just haven't brought the map back yet. I think there were leaks about what the changes were going to be, and then it just hasn't been brought back, so we don't really know yet. I haven't seen those leaks, but, so I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I also haven't seen those. Uh, there were a couple, like, paint, like MS Paint-style redoing oh, su- super map. reliable super reliable. <laughs> yeah. i don't know about that one yeah. <laughs> i really don't but know like, about that one like all the changes seem to make sense and like it seemed like it was leaked by uh i i don't remember it's been a very long time but i think last it was discussed it was leaked by a somewhat credible leaker um okay at any rate i digress the fact that you can't shoot through sage wall I think is often more beneficial than you being able to shoot through Deadlock's ball. Yeah, I was going to say that that can be a benefit yeah. too, though. You, it can be a benefit. Yeah, they, they can shoot you, but you can also shoot them. Yes. Which is very Meaning nice. You, you yeah. can, like, one-way something with the smoke and still have a, an active one-way, and they can't push and rush through the choke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some, something like that, right? Sure. That's true. Now that I think about it, you would never do this. But it would actually be pretty strong to have both Cypher and Deadlock playing on B's height. Split. Yeah, sure. It would actually just make it impossible to get through B main, but... I mean, Cypher does the same thing, right? Mm, Yes, (laughs) no. I think think the Cypher specifically, because of the one-way cam, Mm -hmm. does a phenomenal job making use of that one-way. Like, I'm, I'm almost always good for one when I'm playing Cypher on B-Split and they're, they're running down B-Man. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, a, it's a really brutal joke to get through with the Cypher. Yeah. Like, specifically because you can know the camera is there and you can't do anything about it. Because you need to push up into the range at which you're just going to get one weight off to break the camera. Right. And so I guess you could burn a smoke, smoking me off from being able to shoot you. 
to then break the camera so that I don't know when to one-way it. But, like, uh, I mean, you'd also have to know exactly where the cam is to be able to spam that through the one-way. I mean, it's that just sounds difficult. But the one, the one caveat to that is I often just get brute-forced off of that site anyway. Like, I have my setup. I'm almost always good for one. Sometimes I can get two. But I often have to just fall back to CT. Because I, I can't stop the onslaught of five people running out. My trip only can catch one of them. Um, you do raise a good point in that, like, yeah, you can shoot through Deadlock's barrier wall. That that would stop them from brute forcing their way out. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah I that, that's, that's a benefit. Uh, yeah. it, it, I'm not saying that she's a very strong character, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that like she needs to be KJ level or Cipher level or like need reliable flank watch to be a viable Sentinel. Um, yeah, it, situationally. I mean, I, I definitely agree with that statement in terms of I think Chamber is a viable Sentinel. He doesn't do any of the... I mean, technically, he's got his flank watch if you're within that range, which is the same thing as Killjoy, so, like... But I think Sage is a viable Sentinel as well. It's really just talking about Deadlock here. Uh, See, unless I, unless you completely disagree with Sage, which I, I think is a very hot take. From a pro-meta perspective, I disagree with Sage. Oh. From a ranked perspective, nobody ever breaks the fucking wall. The wall was so good. Nobody ever fucking breaks it. Why like do the, the pros play Sage then? Huh? They Why don't. Do the pros play? On Split, they do. On Split, most of the teams and champions were not playing Sage. I mean, the most is not all. Granted, yes. Any of the teams that went far in the tournament did not play Sage on Split. They had a Viper down mid. Or a Killjoy walking down mid. Which one of the teams, I want to say it was EG, did a really good job of countering by just deleting... The killjoy utility that was holding mid. They should have uh, been running then, a sage, the other team. And then backing off. But they would have done the same thing if it was a fucking sage wall. They just went into mid, deleted the utility, and then backed the fuck off and did whatever the fuck they wanted to do. I think it was EG. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. Um, I just remember seeing a game where it was just like the killjoy was trying to hold mid, and multiple people would just come into mid, just delete the utility, and be like, all right, cool, we did our job, and then just back the fuck off. And they had to re-face check that. And the Killjoy started getting smart and not using her turret on B-Site, started saving the turret so that after she was wondering whether people backed off or not, would place the turret down in mid when the Viper Orb went down, and then just the turret would then confirm whether anybody was hanging around mid or not. But either way, um, I think it, it still comes back to the fact that like Sentinels that don't need to face check things are just going to be better than the ones who can't. Mostly because Viper's in the game. Yeah, and when, when it comes to better, it's really about more consistently picked. Not like on every situation. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd have a hard time disagreeing. Uh, rare for me with a cast take. But yeah, I, I kind of agree. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything except for the, the Sage is not viable in the pro meta. But... Um, I just don't think I, she does enough. I think she does enough, but it it's it's all team comp dependent, right? 
So it, it's just so much more than my just tiny brain can think about what these teams are, are going through and when they're mm-hmm. selecting their, their team comps. But I've seen it be used effectively. Therefore, it can be used effectively. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> okay. <So>. Yeah. <laughs> Confirmation bias, but the other way around. Negation bias? What? Like, <laughs> well, like, we usually use confirmation yeah. bias in like a negative format. Just saying, it's like a positive reinforcement of confirmation yeah. bias. Yeah, sure, right, right. Um, also, another thing, which I've never played Deadbox, so I didn't know this was a thing, but uh, apparently, she can't pick up her trips mid round. Yeah, I've, I've seen some people talking about that. She can do it pre round, but not during the round. Yeah. Which, like... Oh, that seems weird. I yeah, feel like that's you should be able to do that. I mean, like... I mean, clearly her trips are busted, as we've just been discussing, so they need that nerf. They need that Cypher to hold can back. literally do it for free. Cypher can pick his trip up and place it back immediately. Can he pick up his cages or no? No. Okay. But that's similar, no, that you can didn't. pick them up pre-round, and you can't pick them up post-round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cages you can pick up pre-round, you can't pick them up. Also which the same is as Killjoy like... Mollies, which you can also pick up pre-round and not during the round. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Which is why, yeah, like, I, I often, if the setup I'm running allows for it, I try to keep a cage in my pocket unless they're not coming, in case they're not coming to my site, so that, like, I got something for when I'm retaking. Yeah. I'm not going to have anything else <laughs> as Cypher. Right, right. So, like, yeah, like, at least if I get, like, smoked off a of CT, I can drop that cage and give them a 50-50. Am I going to peek left or right, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, there's there's something there. But, like, yeah, if you drop both cages pre-round, uh, yeah, no, you got, yeah, you're, you've got nothing. Um, which I wouldn't mind being able to pick those back up. I can see the argument that, like, you should be committing them. Um... Well, if you're if you're going to use that utility, same thing with like Killjoy Mollies, right? It's like okay, well, you committed the Molly here; it, it has to stay there now. Yeah, you have but, the choice of when to operate it, like in yeah, both cases, right? Right. 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 Um, but it, but it has to stay here, which mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with. That's fine. I, yeah, I, I think KJ that's definitely fine needs mechanic. the buff of being able to pick up her Mollies mid round. Yeah. She's too weak at the moment. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I I just don't see why Deadlock can't pick her shit up. Yeah, specifically the the trips or the yeah. whatever they're called, um, the stun can't things. Pick up the grenade because the grenade is a single use thing. Well, yeah, she shouldn't be able to pick um, up her wall either. Yeah, picking up the wall <laughs> would be a little... weird. I mean, it'd maybe real... okay. Maybe really she should funny. be able to pick up her wall, and it has like sort of like a viper wall bar of of time left. Maybe that sounds where a you can complicated. De- where you can deploy it, it for a set amount of time, but like you know, you don't refresh that time if you pick it up. Okay, I think it'd be really funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, know about that one. Pick yeah. up the wall. She had to like go over to the wall and pack it back up, kind of like you're packing up a tent. <laughs> oh, you have to like individually yeah. like push each <laughs> yeah. thing to the center and then like collapse yeah, it yeah, into yeah, a little like, ball. You, you, you walk, yeah. Yeah, you walk up to the deadlock, like you walk up to the middle orb, and then like you hold F, and she just goes like, e e e, push it in the side, and, and then someone's like, like lurking and they see you doing yeah. that and shoot her. Yeah. I think that would be a hilarious mechanic, but like, yeah, I just yeah. don't think you should be able to do it. Um, I don't know. Like, when Deadlock first came out, I loved seeing all these, like, trap plays that people came up with. And now, obviously, 
they're they're gimmicks. Um, there's like there's one that I know of from like a ascent. Deadlock has to make the jump onto top gen, and then throw her wall like jump throw her wall over to like so it blocks off that a main choke from like orb and you'd catch people who pushed up to orb with like mollies and stuff you lost me at jump up to gen which i can't do okay <laughs> yeah wait no, no 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 like that 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 one's that's free I, I i can do it i i have like a 1.5 out of 10 success rate on jumping to gen from heaven on on ascent yeah i have yeah. a 0 out of 10 success rate of doing that that's not even like no i remember specifically going into a custom to practice yeah. this with you and i couldn't get it like that, I've that's ne- not even like i've never screens, jumped the side of the never jumped jump on icebox the streets to, jump yeah. on icebox is like eh, 50 like nor have i done that the streets jump on icebox i have a 0 out of 10 as well oh my god that one yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give I, you the screen jump on icebox is not free the i've never done any of these free i've gotten the bike to the wall like once <laughs> yeah. Can can you get from can you get from uh Defender's Nest to Rafters on Icebox? Defender's Nest. Yes, yes. I can I can do that fairly consistently. Okay. Yeah. Um I jump on the little box. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, all the way to Rafters. You go from Nest to Rafters. You strafe jump Nest to Rafters. I don't do that, no. Not that you can't, you just don't do it. I mean, I just jump on the little raid night box and then I jump up to rafters. No, 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 icebox. Yes. You can jump on a what? 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 what radiant night box? Are you? I didn't. On I didn't know you could rafters? jump from the radiant night box to rafters. I'm actually. Surprised. There's yeah, no on, radiant night. Yeah, there's, there's that box. Oh, yeah. You can. I didn't okay, know you granted, could do that. I didn't know you could do that. I would never do that because I know you can just straight jump on a Yeah, next, next, to, next to the rope. You just you just jump down from from nest, nest. Onto, onto that box and then up to rafters. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. That just seems like jumping to rafters with extra steps. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, quite literally, one <laughs> extra step. Mm-hmm. Assuming you're landing with one foot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Okay, but, you know, I don't, I don't fuck with skill jumps. Yeah, I wish there were more skill jumps in the game. I like skill jumps. Now, what I think was actually... Okay, so this isn't something that, like, uh, Valorant has any of. But um, in CS, there's a map called Vertigo, in which you can mm-hmm. fall off the edge of the map and just die. I'd like that. That'd be cool. It's kind of cool. There are a couple skill jumps you can do around the side of the map to access unique pathing options Ooh. you fuck it up you're dead you die i, like I can't that. wait to be spectating you when you're doing that and you have an op and you yeah. try to do that to you know be sneaky and then you fall off and die <laughs> but like i, I actually I, I i i like that in in concept in practice i would absolutely fucking hate playing 4v5 every game but we play with Cass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah Cass raging about the missed joke we already play 4.5 FIFA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drops it to like 4.2. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I, I like skill jumps. I'm not going to say I'm good at them. Because I'm not. 
I played Jet, which makes a bunch of them really fucking free. Um, I would say Cassie better than the average at our rank, easily. Maybe, skill jumps. but like, like I like there there are a couple like Jet specific skill jumps that like I don't have, and I've tried to lab out, and I can't do. Like, yeah, but like the people that have those consistently are immortal to radiant. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I love the fact, I don't know if this has been patched out already or not, but when Breeze was just added back into the game, uh, you could just, like, jet, updraft, float, spam, not not updraft, jump, uh, float, spam your way up the titties, especially the one, I forget if it's shrimp or crab, the one closer to mid, I guess right, no, I guess that's left titty. Left, left titty. Yeah, left yeah, titty. Yeah. Right, you could just spam your way up I'm to the I'm pretty sure that one's shrimp. No abilities, yeah. Yeah, which is which is fantastic, you know, right? I wonder if you thing. can still Astra suck your way up there. Good question. I don't know if you can anymore. Maybe. Like, I know you used to be able to, and fucking worthless. Yeah. Because, well, you can't do it pre-round. Mm-hmm. You have to do it post-round. And you it gets rid of the best part. Yourself. Well, and it gets rid right. of the best part of Astro's kit. Yeah. yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you is vulnerable. It, is it the best part of Astro's kit after the nerf? I don't know. Yeah. Well, what are you, you saying a smoke is? Because, like, maybe. Yeah, that's what smoke, I mean. Yeah, a smoke's a smoke. That's the, the only the other Nova option. Po- the no, the yeah. Nova Pole sure isn't, even though that was the point. Yeah. Like, well, what it's about, not what about her? I mean, her alt? If you're going to count that? No, no, we, no it doesn't count. How many times yeah. have we said that the ult is not the kit? Yeah. Um... Unless we're talking about Phoenix. Um, In which case, it is the kit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, he's got flash. Although although a lot of that is because of the alt inflation, that his alt seems like so much more of a mainstay because his Mm -hmm. alt is getting farther and farther away from other people's alts. But also, like, you you get it every two rounds. Yeah. It's great. I've seen back-to-backs Phoenix alts. It's disgusting. Phoenix on the other team was smurfing. I got back-to-back Rim ults the other day. Oh god damn! Like for your for your post nerf, post nerf. I mean back like in back to back rounds. Ooh. Yeah yeah yeah. No, yeah. I mean not. Well, like pre or post nerf. Post nerf. Good That's lord. Insane. Yeah, it, it was great. I was like, wait, I just used this last round and wait, I wait, did it again. You got this? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant you were on the receiving end of it. No, no, I I was able to use and effectively win two rounds in a row with with Brimold. Okay, how did how did you make this work? I need some backstory here. Um, I believe I used it, got a like bunch of kills. Rip? Yeah, used it early in the first round, yeah. got some kills, some some orbs probably in there as well. Planted maybe got for some, an extra orb, yeah. Got got some kills the next round and then used it again. Man, the other team was must That's have been insane. That's nine ult orbs in two rounds. It's eight, right? Eight, yeah, because he, he came it's into eight. the first round with the ult already. Yeah, so, so it's they, and didn't they make it nine? No, no it went from seven. No, to no, eight. they went from seven to eight. Oh, oh I thought yeah. it went from eight to nine. Okay, okay, okay. It's still yeah, a lot of eight, alt orbs. Eight, yeah, 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 eight alt orbs in in the span of two rounds is is pretty. Yeah, impressive. I think I used it, got a four K that round, mm-hmm. and then grabbed an orb, planted two more kills, used it again. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of nasty, crazy. I've seen a double phoenix alt in one round. So yeah, that's really? wild. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's disgusting. Altered off rip. I don't. I don't even know how many kills he got. Um, it was on defense side. Farm the orb. 
got some more kills. And then ulted again. I don't know if there was a sage res on our team or not that enabled there to be an extra or like an extra alt point around it. I can't remember. I just remember seeing like I was dead at this point and just watching um this Phoenix versus somebody in a 1v1 and him ulting again. Oh man. I was like, what the actual fuck? Yeah. <laughs> That's just not fair. Because I, I was thinking about that. I don't think Phoenix gets alt orbs while he's ulting. So like he had to have gotten mm. zero kills with the first ult. Maybe. And then gotten a bunch of actual kills. I I, I don't again. remember the context. I just remember thinking, what the actual fuck? Like he ulted at the beginning of the round. Yeah, if, um, if his team had a sage that rezzed him, that would give him an additional orb because of, you know, the yeah. death. Because of yeah. the death. Yeah. I, I, like, there must have been multiple shenanigans going on for this to happen. I just yeah, can't remember exactly what the shenanigans How, how do you were. win yeah, against that? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, he's popping off, too, so... Oh, yeah. He was a very... Well, I'm pretty sure he was a very heavy smurf. Can we talk yeah, about yeah, Breeze? So. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of boring. I talk about Breeze because I, I fucking hate it. Yeah. I hated Breeze back when it was in the game originally, and now I think i might hate it even more i have yet to win a game on breeze so that's part of it it's mo- a lot of saltiness um i've won a game but also breeze. it's it's kind of like stops excuse me well i mean if you went you... to ot yeah we did go to ot but those were 10-2 halves yeah we hit we it was a 10-2 we came back from 10-2 and then went to ot and lost an ot mm-hmm. <laughs> like Holy defender sided. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, like, a hunter and I played a game with Tony. We were both on alts, because can't play with Tony on mains. Um, and we did really well in attack on that map. Now, admittedly, a lot of this had to do with the fact that I just kept getting challenged double doors, going down mid, and just winning the gunfight every round, and they still kept challenging it. So, like, I'll take that gunfight if I'm winning it. Why would I not? Um, but yeah, it seems like once you open up mid, there, there's some more options. Now, from a ranked perspective, that might mean that the map just is going to have to get slowed down. And you're going to have to figure out how to work mid. Uh, and when I'm playing in my ELO, I'm not going to consistently win that gunfight down double doors. It's probably not going to happen. Um, also, the jump up is awkward. Like, the top mid, like from, from uh, attacker side? Yeah, yeah, from attacker side. Like, you can jump up, and the person can just see you while you're jumping up, and you don't have your gun ready yet. Well, and they can be at multiple different places. It's yeah. not a very good jump up because it it's one hard to take some, like, catch somebody off guard. Um, and, like, too yeah you have to be looking for multiple angles mm-hmm. oh, like yeah like the well also like i know an omen smoke can't cover all the nest i don't know if there are any dome smokes that can like i asked tony to smoke off nest for me once and then i push out in a mid thinking it's going to be fully smoked off and just get absolutely dome schwacked by somebody just sitting in nest because the smoke can't cover it all no it doesn't um yeah i think that like i've been trying to play brim on every map recently um to just you know get be more 
universally a Brim main. Um, that's really fucking hard on Breeze. I really don't like playing Brim on Breeze. I'm going to con continue doing it um, unless we're in like Premiere or something where I will not do that because that is throwing. Um, but in Ranked, I will, I will keep playing Brim. But it's hard. You Your smokes don't cover a lot. There are very specific chokes where they can cover. Um, but there's a lot of places that you want to smoke off that you just, you not either need to use two or you need to accept that someone can peek from a different part of that place. Like, um, I, I still, I always get confused on which one's A and which one's B site on, on, uh, on Breeze. It uses A. Okay. Yeah. So B site, so um, like fucking McDonald's. I don't know what people call it. Uh, like the arches in the back. Yeah. CT. CT. Um, you you have to use two smokes there. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, I I would say that you like yes, if you want to block it off, you have to use two smokes. But the, like that particular part of the map is, it's such that like very rarely someone is going to be playing there as you're exacting onto the site, and like once you've taken the site, you can kind of push up to there and then take the duel with people pushing through defender spawn. And so I would say you don't necessarily have to smoke it off. Also, I think once no, you but a viper a viper wall would do that all for yeah, you. Yeah, viper wall. Oh, would do sure, that. sure, yeah. But also, like, I think once you have, as Hunter's saying, that's not a necessary smoke for taking sight. And once you have sight, assuming you know, because you're, well, you're playing brim, so let's assume you've got a smoke left. Um, I think smoking off one of them is good enough. You're saying I know where to put my crosshair. The thing is, if you're smoking off something, you got a smoke left. That's going like arch or tunnel whatever yeah yeah go ahead and put a tunnel like i think that's probably just a better smoke and then we just take the dual ct or just hide from whoever's ct and just say hey okay like push on like you can you can have that you can you can get to berlin if you want we don't care we're probably behind castle also castle's a fucking like like i, I hate that they got rid of those stairs there um much more awkward this way yeah yeah, like, yeah. I think it makes it way more awkward. There's a bunch of really annoying, like, there's a very wide head glitch angle, um, which, like, I think on B-Site Pearl, they did a good job of altering ramp to not be a literal ramp, and so it's, like, it's more consistent where the head glitch is. Um, This is a pretty wide head glitch angle. So you can just be on a bunch of different, like, or, like, like, pretty well spread out horizontally. Like, it's weird. You have to jump up in a certain way to get over. Um, like, when you're defending site now, you kind of have to make a choice to play pillar or castle. You you definitely can't do both anymore. Yeah, you don't really have the time. If someone's going to push you castle, like, push you on that backside, yeah. then you don't really have the time to jump up and reposition to site. Right. Which is, like, I know was a big thing for Cypher players. Cyphers would have a cage that would enable them to rotate between them um, based on where they are feeling pressure slash how they want to play it. Uh, you can't do that anymore. Um, I, I, like, I, like, I... Yeah, like, I agree with you in terms of, like, a holy fucking shit, defender side is busted, unless you're just winning gunfights. Um... As Jet Slash Chamber, the A main peak is now disgusting. 
Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Like There's only one, had to one spot to look at. Yeah. Yeah, you had to worry about caves and shop before. Now you don't. You have one angle to look down. I, it's like yeah. I can aggressively just like prime dash, swing the angle, get a pick, fuck off. Yeah, they and they can't the rush you down in that time. It's it's yeah. like they have a long way to go. Right. It's like like if you're gonna simplify that area of the map such that um such that shop isn't like a different like a full on different avenue. I think you should at least open up the quote unquote shop area so that like you can walk through it and then it just doesn't get you like it doesn't take a different avenue. It's just a different entrance or it's like a different barrier off or like a different spawn barrier that you can get into that area towards. If that makes sense. Because the fact that you're forced to come through what was the cave entrance mm-hmm. means I, I, I know where you're going to be when I swing that angle with an off. Right. But you can't you can't be anywhere else. Um unless you're gonna use util to get across that initial angle, which is ridiculous. Um I mean they, I think they were trying to make it less of a take A simulator, but it's still take A simulator. And it, yes, they're incentivizing you to split A more than than just take mm-hmm. caves and hold from caves. But you still take caves and hold from caves. I guess shop, whatever. Like that that area is still played pretty much the same. You're not taking backside or yellow and holding from there. It's a yeah. terrible place to play. It's just something that I was screaming about during our game when we were playing with uh Hunter and Tony. So saying like there, there's literally no reason to go back there. Like, sure, the caves hold is a lot worse now. Yeah, but it's still fun. better than holding yellow. It's I think still better yellow than trying a, to get to yellow. Yellow is a fucking yeah. like you can't. It's get a death trap. Yeah. It, well, it, the problem with yellow is that you can't get out of it. I think that it's it's fine to play there, but it's almost a one and done. Because also, how do you in, get there? Well, you can get there if you take sight and get a couple of picks while the other while the team's rotating over. But the problem is that their retake is very quickly going to flush you out of that position, and there's nowhere to run. Nowhere to run! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I don't, know about, like, I don't know about the way in which you guys play defense on a site, but like, I feel like getting post-plant and not getting a pick is not that uncommon. Specifically because I'm usually playing an operator back there. So unless you dome me, like, I'm probably taking an off shot. I realize, okay, I can't repeat this. There are four people on the angle. And I'm falling back. And I'm finding another avenue. Yeah, so it's a 5v5 retake. Yeah, we're we're just going into a retake. It's like, all right, guys, like, they got through the choke. I can't hold sight. We're going to 5v5. But I'm now probably yellow. And if you swing right titty to look towards yellow, you're dead. I've got an off on the angle. Well, one thing that I'm thinking about that might be a somewhat team coordination required but effective way to plant the spike and have a good post plant is you go to the center, you, you go in between titties, you jump over the little bar there, and then you plant for yellow, basically. And then your entire team pushes to yellow, takes the fight with anyone coming from CT, and then is now in good position to pay, play post plant with uh, people who are coming from mid slash flanking. 
Like that requires a, a, a very different, like a paradigm shift and your team to be mm-hmm. on board to do that. But I feel like that is doable. I mean, it, well, it requires you flipping the entire map. Yeah. Sure. You need... You need you all need of challenge, CT control. Yeah. You need to challenge all of CT. You need to challenge halls. You need to challenge double doors. You need to effectively clear the entirety of site on your way there. What fucking utility do you have left? Well, the idea is that you do this quickly. Like, yeah, because, like, based on the idea that there are probably two people on site itself. Maybe yeah, I mean, that, that you requires you to get two picks yeah, you coming the... onto site quickly, take all of CT, get the third pick of that person rotating over CT, and the other two must be flanking through mid or, or like, troop flank. Well, heck, even, well, even if you, you don't the... do great with the initial fights, I feel like if you have... Uh, you know, if you if the end result is you have spike down, you have two players remaining, both are yellow, and there are three defenders left who are now retaking. I feel like you're in a pretty solid spot if you've now planted in between titties on the side that you're on. I feel like you have to take stairs there, and you have to then be confident nobody is coming CT. Well, I, I think you could have one player play stairs, and you could have the other player playing behind yellow to watch CT and then, you know, be able to swing around if no one CT and they tap spike. Well, it's just that mid player can so easily flank you in that instance. Also, if somebody's playing yellow, watching CT, and somebody's playing stairs, watching presumably flank and mid doors, like, you're you're not in positions to trade each other. Well, no, you're not, but you're also in reasonably strong positions now. Yes, but also, like... You have a high-low watching CT... And then you have, but you don't two... really have a high low because well, one person's back is turned towards CT. No, I mean, I mean, you have to be looking at a high low. It's oh, not a very yeah, strong yeah, position, yeah. right? Because they could come bridge, they could come spawn. Yeah, but like that's that's a lot of coordination for them to do both at the same time. No, no, no. But like, you just have to where, do one of them. It's a fifty-fifty. Yeah. Where do you put your crosshair? Yeah, but if someone walks out bridge, they're not probably not pre-aiming behind yellow, unless you've done this like I'm multiple not, times okay, before. But like but, like, they're probably going to be, you know, jiggling slash slicing the pie. Like, I, I doubt they're just fucking Chad swinging out, out bridge. Yeah, I don't think it's that big of an ask for you to swing from low to high if you see someone, jig- like, slicing the pie. But I'm no, saying you're not I think it's just stronger to hold you. It's just stronger to hold, uh, like, T-spawn. Well, I mean, I suppose it might be. But like I think there's I think there's some strength to what I was saying. Like I was I was giving like a you know an average to low case scenario where you you know you're down a player. I think if you have three people left versus like a three v three at that point in those positions, then you probably have you might have the third person you know be watching the back of someone else, or you might have them being more like behind one of the titties and then watching from uh, watching the push out of mid doors or push out of balls. But, like, all, this entire day is heavily predicated on the fact that you get both picks on A. That's a big well, ask. I, I don't necessarily think it is. Because, like, if, if someone is, if someone's playing, like, close to caves or if they're playing around one of the titties and they die, now you get sight. If you're playing yellow, then you might actually back off a little bit if you're getting, like, spammed by utility and stuff. And then, you know, yellow has been surrendered to the, like, offense team. Or if you're playing around mid, you might go through mid doors and wait for the retake. Like, I think there's one player who needs to be dealt with for sure. I don't think you necessarily have to kill both defenders to get to that position. Unless they're both just playing very committal positions. I, like, I'm just saying, I don't think you get yellow. 
you don't get it for free. I, I just think that it's not. Yeah, I, I, you definitely don't get it for free. I, I just think that yeah. if you're all focused on doing it, it's not that hard of a position to take. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty brutal position because, like, you're coming out of the choke point, right? Yeah. No, wait. Let's say, let's say I'm the A player. Okay. Right. Right. And let's assume that I. Let's just assume that I've got a rifle for this round, so I'm not taking off angles or whatever, right? Uh, I'm watching the push out of caves. Okay. I've been pushed off of caves. I calm that. I'm like, hey, like, they're, they're on A. I, I need backup. I'm probably backing off to yellow, holding yellow, and by the time you've pushed on to A, and you're going to be taking, quote-unquote, back sight and pushing up towards yellow... I probably have some reinforcements. So now you got to deal with taking a taking gunfights with with bridge with um whatever whatever the fucking openable door is called. I guess the halls player, um a guy by yellow, maybe somebody mid doors depending on how well your splits working. Like I feel like that's a huge ask. I don't think it's very likely unless you're playing an attack side off and you get that pick as you're pushing out caves on the person who's playing presumably right titty or, or cleavage to to just get that pick outright. Like, I think it's way more likely you force them back, you can get post-plant down, and they're willing to concede that, and you're not gonna, like, they're just saying, hey, you're not taking back sight here. I think that's a way more realistic scenario. Well, I mean, part of it is that... Um... I'm also going with a strategy that is very anti-meta when I'm describing this. So, like, part of the reason why I think that's so strong is just because it's so unexpected. I think that if that were to become the default, uh, then I would say the mix-up of planning for planning for shop is or slash caves is much better. But like in this scenario, you're you're rarely going to have like people grouped up in spawn defenders being like, okay, let's now util dump to reclaim yellow. Because, like, that's not normally something you have to do. Normally, there's, like, one person at max playing yellow. So, like, in the current meta of Breeze, like, you're going to catch a lot of people off guard if you have three people playing yellow. And you're not going to face coordinated resistance. You're going to get a lot of 1v1s as you take that. And that's that's sort you... of a big part of what I'm saying here. I, 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 kinda, I kind you... of agree with that. I, I think that, yes, this is valuable as a mix-up. Especially in low rank. Because... Yeah, like it's just not an expected place to play, um, which I think that if you have the coordination to do that, the other team probably won't have the coordination to retake that. Um, that's fair, but I think it's very unlikely. Yeah, because well, part of part of what I'm thinking as well is that in most cases you're going to have at least one of the defenders rotating through mid rather than through spawn. So even if you have even odds going up to that fight with yellow, you have potentially a 2v2 if you consider one person has just planted the spikes and they're still between titties two people have pushed up to yellow and you have two defenders coming from spawn and those two defenders are probably not going to be super ready for like people to be challenging them as they get to yellow and then the person in spawn is in a bad situation where they have to now cross you know from mid doors to, to titties and then defuse when you have the good angle on them I'd be okay trying it Mm-hmm. You know, in a game, whether we have the coordination to do that in in a premier game, where where we would have the coordination to try this, yeah, um, or you know, in a ranked game, if the three of us were playing or something like that. But um, I don't have super high hopes for its effectiveness. Maybe beyond a single round. 
Also, I think that the only way in which you just get yellow for free, or well, not not even for free. The only way in which I think you like can realistically take and therefore hold yellow is if you just outright get both picks on A. And if you get you... both picks on A, motherfucker, you're in a five v three. You know, I'm I'm not talking. We're about not that losing scenario. this fucking round. You just plant for shops anyway, and you fucking turtle up in shops. You're not losing a five v three. You know, I'm talking about the scenario where you kill the person who's playing, who's trying to, you know, play from right titty to caves slash shop. Mm -hmm. You kill that person. You're pushing onto site. Now the person who was stairs, you know, misses a shot and then either retreats to yellow or retreats to CT. Then I think this is a very good strategy. If someone's right titties, there shouldn't also probably be someone stairs. Dude, I see that all the time in rank. All the time. That is like the the default defense in rank. Who the fuck is watching mid doors? I don't know. No one. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I see a lot. That's stupid as hell. If yeah. Well, then the person in mid, you either kill them the or they retreat into mid. Stairs. Yeah. Like, okay, well, that's that's fine as well. If someone's mid doors and someone's right titty, then the right titty yeah. person dies and the mid person, either you take the duel with them or they retreat into mid because they're waiting for their team. Either way. Like, that doesn't really change things all that much. I don't know, if I kill the player right titty and as I'm pushing out somebody shoots me from stairs, I'm gonna fucking maul because that's stupid. <laughs> I think should, it'll be very playing, common. Yeah. If someone's playing right fucking titty, there shouldn't also be someone stairs. Okay, no, I think it's more like somebody always plays right titty. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Yes. Someone and therefore some, right sometimes titty. there are also there is also somebody stairs. So do people play stairs? Yes. Therefore, there is always there are times where there are people in both places. <laughs> yeah, unless you just give up like the, the well, last like, mid position. The, I, I, I feel like the eight. time in which you play the yeah. time in which you play stairs is when someone is not playing right titty. No, that's never. Yeah, actually, that kind of brings me to an interesting idea. If if uh, if Breeze has become, you know, take a simulator for Premier, maybe a good defensive strategy is have someone right titty, someone stairs, someone mid doors yeah yeah and then you have on b you have someone you have a viper who is like locking down the b site hit and your other b player is playing in tunnel so they can either you know guard against the elbow flank reinforce the b hit or if it's not b they can then you know watch the cross to mid doors so that they know they can reinforce that if someone's going there so you essentially have 3a with minimal downside to your b defense and mid defense i'm assuming in Premier, mm-hmm. the cross to double doors is going to get smoked off almost every round. If it is, because of the fact that like the jump up is the only other way to peak mid from the attacker side, mm-hmm. then you would just have your tunnels player, if there's other noise going on in A, you have your tunnels player then push into mid and try to get a timing pushing through the smoke on the flank. Yeah, maybe. But, yeah. Like, but then you got to deal with someone working up tunnels, or not tunnels, elbow. Which well, is well, your B player could, could do that. They could, if your viper, your viper could fall off B side itself and go tunnels, and then watch for the elbow lurk. If if you're thinking it's like an A split or an A take, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, I, I I kind of like that um, because as soon as you see the smoke go down um, on like the crossed mid, then you have a calm to your team saying, "Hey, watch mid doors." Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and this could this could work if you only have two people on a site. You have someone yeah. playing stairs. You have someone playing right, like right titty, um, you know, and the person playing stairs repositions to 
mid to watch mid doors if the sm- the cross is smoked or there's contact there. Mm-hmm. Also, can we talk about halls quickly? Yeah, such halls a is weird the most. Thing. It's yeah. weird, like, so useless. But people like to peek it right now. No, I don't know. I, I have gone to halls for an ego duel. I have never been met. Oh, I I've been met many times. Why? What the fuck are you doing in halls? I like to play uh, Switch because I like to open it on defense. Oh, okay, okay. Hmm. I, I feel like Holes is the ultimate place now. Like, you know, you used to say in chat, like, you know, duel me at Haven C Long or like whatever. Yeah, yeah, you, you'd yeah. see that happen sometimes. I feel like Holes is the ultimate place to call out an all chat just because it's like so pointless otherwise. It's like the purely <laughs> 1v1 me, bitch. Like, it, it's going down. There's no real yeah, point like, to us having this duel. Let's yeah, just yeah. have there's it. No, there's no yeah. real point. You're not gaining map control if you win. Right. You don't get dick besides a pick, which obviously the pick is nice, but it's just like... Like, I... I conceptually, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. It's just like, fuck you. We're not doing shit to help our teams. I want a fucking duel now. <laughs> um, there was a round on defense that we played where... Um, we took mid control and I heard somebody up in halls from attacker side. And so then I spent about 40 seconds staring at shoot and my yeah, team. Yeah, I remember was, that round. yeah. Yeah. The rest of the team was like, like, yo, we're like, what are you doing? You're staring at shoot. And at like 40 seconds, the person dropped through shoot and I took their head off. And I was like, that's what I'm doing. Looking at shoot. <laughs> yeah. I like the fact that like, we had a heated debate about how, like, important shoot is. And we all agreed that it's very, like, underutilized. And then they went Rambling. and implemented this Hulls change, which, like, makes it even more useless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in okay. that case, Chase knew someone was, was uh, angling for it. So it worked out. Now, Yoru and Omen should be able to get through Hulls. It's a far yeah. distance. No, 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 but, like... Like, it should be altered in such a way that Yoru and Omen can get through halls. I like that. There are certain areas on certain maps that only certain agents can get to. Jet being the main perpetrator of this. Jet and Jet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Slash Rays. Slash Rays with the blast packs. And and Omen and Chamber. And not Yoru, because Yoru doesn't have any verticality. But, like... (laughs) Sage. Maybe Sage. Right. Like, it is cool. And specifically with, like, the double... Well, I guess there are no more double updraft peaks in the game anymore. Fuck you, Riot. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some unique angles that only certain agents can take. And that is cool. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, holes feels so pointless is, now. The idea yeah, that the defenders have to worry about an Omen or a Yoru TP makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's like, what is wrong with having an avenue that only certain agents can take? Especially if the agents are Omen it. and Yoru, who neither of them are like... Yoru is certainly not dominating at either comp or pro. And Omen, while being a solid pick, is not dominating either. So I think that'd be okay. Especially on Breeze. Yeah, yeah, right, especially on Breeze. I think I, I think that it's fine. I don't love the concept of it, but I think because it's those two agents, I mean, Omen can be pretty good, and his TP is, like, quite quiet. Um, 
So I, I feel like that I, could I be love, really annoying, but I love the concept of it. Like I'm not sure I'd like it in practice. Yeah. In practice it'd probably be really fucking annoying. Yeah. But conceptually I love it. And like I miss those omen TP plays that you can make um through jail, through the call out that I don't know on Icebox that goes from orange to back hut or whatever the fuck that other thing is called. Back like what? Hut what through through uh through the window like on, under on, kitchen. On B site Icebox. Under Hall's kitchen. Oh, oh I see, yeah. I see. Yeah. I think I think that thing back there is called hut. Um, I don't know that one either, to be honest. Okay. Either way. Or through the Sage Boost, through B Garage, onto default, or well, on top of the box, the Radiant boxes by default on B Ascent. Like, I think those were cool. They're, they're unique plays that Omen and Omen alone could make. And they got stealth patched out of the game. And that's dumb. At least I think it's dumb. Um, I, like, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a certain, like, avenues that only certain agents can access on different maps. And if that's what defines the meta of that map, then so be it. I think that Riot doesn't like that map geometry can influence, uh, like, I don't know how to say this properly, because I'm like, obviously map geometry influences pick rate based on utility, but, like, and where utility can be placed. But I feel like the there are, like, having locations that you can only get to via certain agents just seems weird that's already in the game the elevation is slightly different though than like because three there are multiple passages. different agents who have elevation abilities yeah yeah Not there are a lot of agents. agents that have tp abilities two versus three. like four three three yeah chamber yeah i guess that's fair you never see Chamber use his TP aggressively, but you bet your ass if I can get through halls using that, I might have to give it a go. <laughs> you see no one, you place your TP, you TP, and then immediately get yeah, shot. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, like, like, Chamber can TP. This is true. I don't know. It also just makes sense to have, like, in, in other places, I'm not saying halls, but other mm-hmm. other maps, to have walls that you can see through but can't move through. Yeah. That's what they're going for in these locations, right? Sure, you can see through no, them, you can't move through them. And there's so, no like, point in seeing through this one, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, Chase, yeah I, this one's weird. Yeah, Chase, I think I tend to agree with you that, like, Riot uh, doesn't want to have certain agents have, like, such an incredibly unique, like, movement ability that it, like, breaks the map. However, I think in this particular case, Halls just <laughs> feels yeah. weirdly pointless now, such that... Well, I mean, Jet, they're moving, you know, away from that by reducing the updrafts. Um, but yeah, uh, when it comes to halls, it's just so weirdly pointless. Like, it is the most pointless location on any map <laughs> at this point. That, like, mixing it up by allowing people to Yoru TP and Omen TP through it, I think, could add some intrigue back to halls. 
that is severely lacking at the moment. So like, I don't know if Riot would consider it, but it is a bit of a unique situation that maybe would, you know, allow them to deviate from their normal, their normal norms. It's just weird. I don't understand why they left it at all, like accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's like they took away caves and they were like, oh, well, we can't take away all of halls or people will be like, this is extremely boring. So we'll have halls be there, but just be completely irrelevant. Yeah. It's like, like if they made that not see throwable, I don't think it'd make a difference. So why have it be see-through? Now, like, yeah, the one or the I'm... ego duel, which you like, yeah, you yeah, sky I like flash through it and no around one's... into sight. You can still sova dart through. Oh, that's for huge. early info. That's meta defining hmm. right there. I mean, it is a common okay. like early info sova dart that I would throw. Okay. All right. Just to see if they're like, I'm assuming Sova's on defense here. Yeah, from from defender side, it, yeah, it, okay. you can land it on the wall in T T side so that you can yeah. see if anyone's about to push through shops. Um, it's not that big of a thing, but it's something you could sky flash, I guess, down it too. Uh, can you anymore? I don't. I don't know. know. I have not tried this. I played one match on Breeze, which, in fact, I did play Sky, but I did not try that specifically. Dude, oh my god, it was uh, that was mauled inducing. We won that game. I mean, yeah, we did. First of all, the stage on our team was so fucking toxic. Um, yeah, she really was. She was, like, roasting Tony and Cass both. Also, had a really fucking good game. I mean, granted, I was on my fucking alt. Yeah, she, she, was literally, she was literally like saying in all chat, Chase, she was saying, report everyone on our team but me and Sky, where I was Sky. And I was like, what the Why? fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. just because she was feeling bad about the other team's performance. Like, she definitely was a smurf. The whole thing was messed up. It didn't make a lot of sense, honestly. Like, Tony was not having a great game, but he wasn't, like, there are teams where Tony is, like, doing a lot of really troll-slash-throwy stuff. That wasn't one of them. He just wasn't hitting his shots. Like, there was no reason for the He did have a couple Roy troll TPs. Sure, sure. But, you know, those look Yeah, but that's not, like, reportable. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what I said to Sage in chat... You're I in said, bronze, who doesn't? You know? Like right. that's, that's, <laughs> what I said to Sage in chat is I said, the greatest geniuses look like the biggest idiots sometimes. You know, sometimes you try something and it doesn't work and it looks dumb, but that's because you're going for gold. Also, I had a really good game. I don't know what the fuck she was... She was yeah. so annoyed at me over some dumb shit that I'm like... Probably didn't yeah, get her skin. I was on my halt. I didn't have any skins either. <laughs> well, that's where you fucked up. <laughs> yeah, you should have been on your main, obviously. There's a report otherwise. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, granted, if you're going to report me for smurfing, I mean, actually, that might be realistic. There's um, no button for that. Yeah, but like... Yeah. Sure. Um, no, what, where, where was I going with that, Hunter? Uh... I, I forget. Know. I forget about what, Sage what, on Breeze. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, no. Okay, this is why it was mauled inducing. Yeah, I kept asking a hunter to flash me into certain areas. <laughs> yeah, and the flash kept expiring before Hunter popped it. That but did happen. Like really times. long sight lines on on Breeze that you're trying yeah. to get it into yes. somewhere. Well, I, I think it it would probably take. Yeah, it was a it was like from spawn barrier. Cast was like flash me into elbow, and like the minute it would get around the corner it needed to not flash cast, like it would expire. And granted, yeah. despite all the joking I make on the podcast, I genuinely do try to not flash cast. <laughs> so I was like, let me pop it at the right moment. Ah, oh, damn, it just expired. That, yeah, that well, did happen expired, several and then, times. And then I would, yeah. I'm like, I'm ready to swing into the angle. 
and I'm expecting the flash to go off, and I swing into the angle, and there's just Arena staring at me. <laughs> What's up, motherfucker? <laughs> yeah, I definitely need to get used to the new flash timing yeah. because it definitely, I mean, the being reduced by what was it, uh, 20%? 30%? Like, that is significant. Yeah, yeah it's significant. Yeah. yeah, it went from 20, it went from 2.5 to 2 seconds. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. 20%. Yeah, one fifth. Yeah. Yeah, I, I noticed it so often that, like, a hunter's clearly just not used to that timing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, like, yeah, the flash would expire. And, like, just in my head, I'm getting ready to swing. I'm expecting it to pop. The Although, swing, like, the, like mentally, yeah. the swing is already happening. I just haven't physically swung yet. Although, to be fair, part of that was probably that we were on alts and playing in really low elo. Because in probably mm-hmm. even gold or plat elo, people would be dodging the flash. Even if it hadn't gone off yet. Like, they'd be reacting to it. Um, so the fact that the radio was just not reacting to the fact that I flashed in her face is kind of a sign of probably it being somewhat low elo. No, but the radio was, the radio was pretty pushed off. She could have just been banking on the fact you were going to pop it behind her. True, true. And she'd be half flashed at worst. Yeah. Um. Which would have happened anyway. Yes. Right. But I know that the radio was there. Yeah. Like, it would have had the blind, the blinded, um, yeah. and I would have been ready to take a gunfight. But yeah, no. E- either way, I think that was like, I- I'm pretty sure Riot brought this up in their patch notes, which I I thought to be like one of the funniest justifications for like why they were changing something. Um, but like, they were saying that they didn't like that people were able to fake Flash for too long with Sky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is the funniest justification. Because if you want to argue that Skyflash is too good, well, pre-nerf, that it was too good, it gave you way too much info from way too safe of places. Like, you could be on B-site bind and flash all the way down B-long and check fountain. Um, now I believe you need to be tucked close in Octagon to get your flash that far. Yeah. Um, you could clear all of Pearl B-long. Like, if you wanted to make the argument that, like, the the Sky Flash allows you to get too far away from where you are so that you can be incredibly safe and still gain info on these areas of the map, and we don't like that, we want you to have to be in a more risky or challenging position to be able to get this info that you're looking for, like, I fully understand that. I think Sky Flash was really, really fucking good. But... For the reason that they listed being, we don't like that people can fake flash for too long. It's it's just like really that that's the issue you took with this. Yeah, that's a good point. Just because you know once it's past you, you don't have to worry about it anymore. You're just like, yeah, I'm gonna get half flashed, and that is what it is. I mean, I see it. I think that it also is like nerfing the other, like. The other thing, they of mentioned both aspects for the flash in the, in the patch, but, notes, but yeah, like it is understandable that, like, especially at higher elo, be, like where fake flashes are useful, um, that like being able to hang your bird around and do little curly cues in an area, um, and they don't know exactly what time it's going to pop at. I feel like I understand that too. Yeah, I know. I just thought that was an odd point to bring up given everything else about the Flash. Well, it's just not something that we encounter a lot uh, at our ELO, because mm-hmm. people don't fake Flash. And, like, fake Flashes 100... just aren't... 
Hunter does he, a lot. He does sometimes, but it's, it's like not, not as effective. It's not as intentional, <laughs> but like he does it a lot. No, but no, it's no. not like, very I effective at our remember, ELO is what I'm saying. I specifically remember in that Breeze game, like there are times where like I will pull out my flash and then someone will get a pick on site while I still have my, like I'm just launching the flash. And then at that point I'm thinking, you know, there's a much higher chance that I'll flash my team than flash an enemy. So then I'll, I will call out, this is a fake flash. And like I will just guide it to a position to most likely make enemies turn away. Like I, oh, no, I do, not, I, I do that even, a decent bit. I, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about times where you bungle your flash in other games. Well, that, that does happen as well. Yes, but like there are also a decent bit of times like where I'm like, this is fake. Like, don't worry about turning yeah, away yeah, from this yeah. team. I'm not popping it. Um. Uh, let's kind of okay. Well, there, there are two more things I wanted to cover this podcast. If that's okay with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing is, and I think this will be relatively short, and this might have to do entirely with my own confirmation bias, but I feel like I always fucking start out on attack. What? I haven't fully finished this yet. This okay, is just the intro. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is my introductory paragraph. I haven't even gotten to my thesis yet. Okay. Okay. Um, I feel like I start off on attack way more than I start off on defense. And I like starting off on defense, especially when I'm playing Cypher. Show me the stats. Yeah, yeah. I Show me I the car facts. Show me the car facts. <laughs> I, like, the I, was facts. With, I was talking with Alex about this the other day, and I wish that I could see this because I just, like, yeah, it's probably confirmation bias. It's probably really close to 50-50. But I feel like on average, lately at least, I've been starting out on attack a lot. And when I'm playing Cypher, I don't like doing that. It is very hard to build confidence in a lobby when I'm playing a don't-do-shit role on attack. Um, okay, at any rate, taking a page out of CS here. Knife round. You want a kinda knife round? Kind of fun. Kind of fun. You just start, you, you load into the lobby. Is this the thesis? Yes, this is the thesis. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. okay. Knife I'm listening. You load into the lobby. It's like the knifing and escalation. You get extra speed. Yeah. That's all you get. You, you get you get a knife and you get extra speed. Um, the winner of the knife round gets to vote on whether they want to start an attack or defense. That's it. That's that. That's the thesis. I see, I see. Um, that sounds terrible. <laughs> no, no, I get what you're saying. It sounds fun, to be honest. Um, but it, it just seems like knifing is such a minor part of the game normally that making such a significant aspect of how the game goes dependent on speed knifing just seems very funny to me. I don't know. I, I could be persuaded. This is a new idea. I'm not set in stone, but it seems like a bad one to me. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I feel like the random is kind of fine, and if you actually did the stats, you'd see that it's probably just evens itself out. Um, I mean, if you're saying that it's such a significant thing, like to start on one side, then doesn't isn't that kind of just like compounding your, um, like how much that hurts your team right or like whichever team is better is just going to be better because they get to start on the side that they want but like 
Okay. Now, like, the, the knife round is actually a thing from CS, and it's how in not seeded matches they determine who gets to pick side. Especially because CS often has a bunch of tournaments in which there are a lot more teams, and therefore there are a bunch of BO1s. Yeah. It's just one map. Um, so nobody gets, like, you just ban down to one map, but nobody has a higher seed, and so you just play a knife round to determine who gets to pick side. I had no idea. Um, That's really interesting. Yeah, it, it happens in, like, 100 and, or, like, either 128 or, like, 64-team brackets. Maybe they do it for 32 as well. Like, I don't know. CS is often willing to have, like, longer tournaments compared to Valorant. Um, and also, they're way more willing to have A, B, and maybe even C and D streams, which Valorant does not seem to want to do. They only seem to want to, like, run one game at a time. Um, which is fine. I mean, it's what it is. I know that they do multiple streams for, like, pre- Open uh, and stuff, yeah. Pre-franchising, when, like, it was to determine who would get into, like, whatever the main event that was going on is, they'd have, like, an open bracket, and it'd be a lot of teams. Um, okay, but either way, like... Ah, it just seems like there's a little more... It's a little bit more than flipping a coin, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like... There's... there's you have something that you can do to try and earn the side that you want. And you're not wrong in that, like, knife rounds are inherently finicky. And it's kind of a crapshoot. I mean, I I think that it would kind of be fun. It's like, it's a fun little thing to the game. Yeah. Uh, I think it's not overly complicated for something that doesn't matter very much. Um I mean, I have a very small sample size because I just pulled up your tracker and was going through each game individually. Mm-hmm. Um, but your last five games, you started on three defense and two attack. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, Cass, the more I think about your idea, the more I like it. Just because <clears throat> I think that since the big knife buff where the knife range has been increased uh, to an extent for a left click and to a much bigger extent for right click, and also... You're like run and gun accuracy with weapons has been nerfed since the start of the game. I think a lot of people who've played Valorant a lot, like since launch or around that time, underutilize the knife. And I'm including all three of us in that. And so the idea of having a knife round has the benefit as well of making people actually knife more, which I think is kind of cool and uh, potentially very fun to watch. So I'm kind of coming around and saying that I like this idea. You're saying that it would incentivize people to use the knife in other rounds because they realize what the range is or how it could be effective otherwise yes, because yes. they actually get some practice with it. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. Because, like, it's in like, situations like... I feel like, like it would just be a dumb, like, run around, like, as as if you were in Escalation. Oh, yeah. it would definitely be dumb, oh, but, like... That's 100% what it would be. Yeah. It, but you would, be, get, yeah. you would get reps just using do you the get, knife. Does everybody get Jet Dash? Like, in Escalation. Wait, do people... You don't get Jet Dash with Knives and Escalation, do you? Yes, you do. Oh. Okay, I didn't know that. I, I was just assuming you get Neon Run Speed, but also you have your knife in your hand. Yeah, because, like... Also, the, Neon... Yeah. No, no, just, like, Neon Run Speed should also, like, she should just have her knife in her hand. <laughs> It'd be kind of funny. I'd die a lot to it, because I can't shoot running Neons, but, like... Like, whenever you... 
<laughs> like you get knife immediately. You don't have to equip with the. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You just have your knife equipped. And you're running <laughs> pull around. Pull up slide oh. and knife someone mid mid slide. Yeah, <laughs> that'd, that'd be, be that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty <laughs> yeah. cool. But like oh, you know, you, we, you have to slide behind them too because as soon as you like hit the one shot, it's most likely they're just going to spray you down on yeah. the front. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like the thing is, like when we're playing Valorant, I feel like I can speak for all of us when I say this that like if we have a regular gun and then we have any secondary. If we run out of bullets in our regular gun, we're either switching to our secondary, or if we feel like we can safely like pull off and reload our primary, we're doing one of those two, depending on the situation. Like The only situation where I'm really like, oh, let me whip out my knife, is if I only have a secondary and I run out of bullets in that. Like I think we're all underutilizing the knife to an extent, because you, know, you do 100 damage with the right click uh, to the front, and then obviously you get an insta-kill in the back, and it's 50 damage with a single left click. So like, you know, I, I think there's, there's something to be said for using that more. I, I, I'd like to point out, I have once made the big brain play of pulling out my knife instead of my secondary. Nice. I'm very proud that I did that. Oh, I do that all the time. Just not intentionally. <laughs> it, it usually gets me killed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying no, like yeah. I, like I've made the big brain play of doing it intentionally and getting the value out of it. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. And it was yeah. nice. Yeah, so it, was it, it, it felt pretty good, because I was just like, oh, well, like... And I think the reason that I did it was because I knew that I hadn't reloaded my classic. Yeah, so you're just going to be out of ammo there, too? I was just like, ah, oh, like, I know I'm going to be out of ammo on that one, too. <laughs> so I pulled right, out right. my knife, and I ran at them and knifed them. Um, and it worked out. And I was very I was very stoked on that one. But, like, I, I, I agree with Hunter. I mean, like, it's no... Commando Pro Modern Warfare 2 knife. Um, I definitely like, said, I definitely referenced Commando uh, 2 I, Modern Warfare. <laughs> yeah, like I. Yeah. A bunch of the listeners will get that reference. I know that neither of you two do. Yeah, um, yeah. A good knife, yeah. probably. Well, it had like. Imagine Omen TP distance. Okay. Anybody in that distance? You push in your right control thumbstick, my guy, they die. You just, like, insta-teleport to them and just knife them. Wow. Uh, it was disgusting. Um, broken as fuck. But yeah. Um, either way, like, obviously the Valorant knife is not that good. There's some potential for it. And, like, I wish there was a little bit more of an incentive to use the knife other purposes, and I know that they don't want to take the page out of CSGO and have different weapons assigned, different kill bonus values based off them. I get that. It's a different game. I wish there was a little more something besides emotional damage. Emotional damage is nothing <laughs> to sleep on, though. Yeah, no, emotional damage is quite strong in this game. Yeah. I just, like... You know, maybe if, like, there was a finisher that played whenever you knifed someone in round with your knife. Ooh, that would be cool, too. Yeah. Like, it just, like... And sure, would this incentivize people to throw? Absolutely. Like, there was a round the other day in which I was trigger-disciplining someone and, like, creeping up behind them, and I'm like... I probably could knife them right now. But it's and not the high think, percentage play. And it's I not the don't highest think they're going to turn around yeah. and check. But can I knife them? 
pull my gun out and shoot the other person that is in my POV in time or right, not? Right. Or do I have just way better odds of just shooting them in the back? Or, well, shooting the person who's farther away from me and then flicking to the guy who's close and has no idea I'm standing right behind him. Like, that, that's just the better odds. See, the so premier, why wouldn't I do that? The premier team member of me is saying, yes, Cass, good thinking, good, good idea to not knife. <laughs> However, the, the gamer in me is saying, you know, if you knife them in the back, they don't come, oh, look, look there's someone who is right behind me. Like, turn around and shoot them. They say, what the fuck? I fucking died <laughs> to a knife? And their teammates have no idea where you are or what happened. And you have plenty of time to pull out your gun and shoot them. That is a good point. Yeah, that, that's actually very strong. That's a very the strong comms, point. The comms are not happening. The comms yeah. are not happening when you get knifed. Right, yeah. right. The immediate response is always, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Now, Cass, um, a yeah. little bit of a non sequitur, just because I have your tracker pulled up right now. Okay. Um, don't, don't look at that right now. It's bad. Um, <laughs> you have you have a 114 tracker score. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no, 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 no. Look at my tracker. <laughs> now, given you've only played eight matches this act. Blame Alex for this. I've played all my matches with Alex. He's dragging me into diamond-only lobbies in which I'm a plat one. You have a 114 with a minus 20 damage I know. delta. It's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> There were multiple immortal gun buddies in the last game I was in. Mm. And I granted Alex is one of them. But he didn't have a great game. Yeah, he can't really carry when he's at his own rank. And there are yeah. multiple <laughs> immortal gun buddies on the ground. Yeah. I was fucking terrified. Yeah, that that's a little tough. That's fair. Yeah, no, I, I have not, like, because I get off work, right? And Abinoe Chase has been out of town for the last couple of days. Like, I got off work. I'm trying to chill for a bit. I jump online. We usually run some Risk of Rain 2. And then, like, I'm trying to get a Val game in or two. Right? And so, like, Alex is usually the one who, being unemployed at the moment, is available and there to play games. So I jump in with Alex. We can actually play on our mains um, by the slimmest of margins. Um, but we can. And holy fuck, the lobbies that I'm getting put into are brutal. Yeah, there's a lot of diamonds in these lobbies. Like, I... and we, Which, actually, this is a great transition into my the next topic I wanted to bring up, uh, which is, what do you do against players that are just significantly better than you? Lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and typically, typically that's what happens, yeah. <laughs> no, no, my personal strategy is that, like, what really, what the the only the when I'm really tilted against players who are uh, really good, it's because they are just fundamentally sound at the game more so than I am. But often I'll find that if if we're down several rounds and it's because of a player popping off on the other team, typically they're getting overconfident. Typically they're not clearing their corners as thoroughly because they're just you know on cloud nine. They're thinking they can flick and see me after I miss my first shot on them. So I'll start playing ratty. I'll start playing weird. I'll mix things up to try to get that kill, especially if they're like the entry Reyna or something. Um, and then that will help me at least have a chance at evening the odds. Mm-hmm. That's okay. kind I, mean, I, I ego duel them almost more, I think. Mm. I don't know why, but it, it feels way better when you know that someone's way better than you and you get the kill. And it feels... <laughs> 
less bad when you die to that engagement because you're like, well, they're just better than me. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Like, <laughs> so I feel like those, I, I ego duel those more. Um, I'm still playing the rest of the game normal. And if it's like one significant person where you're like, oh, this is an obvious smurf or something, or someone like on the other team is just way better than everybody else in the lobby, then you can play the either let's five man kill this person so that we win the rest of the round, or you play the uh, find them and go elsewhere strat. <laughs> I like that strat a lot. Yeah. Um, like, oh, Reina's on A. We're going B fast. Like <laughs> right, that. Right. <laughs> like that works quite a bit. Um, but then oftentimes that Reina just comes in and like one V four retakes. Yeah, yeah, it's really so... tough when it's a Reina that you're trying to avoid. <laughs> right, right. Uh, typically it is. Um, um, I, I that's why I kind of like the coordination of oh the Reina's here. Let's five man push this Reina now. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, because we might lose two of two us. Picks. Yeah, but you're but just giving up two picks. Th- there are often times in those games where you're like the rest of their team is not good. Right, right, yep. Like, if we, we, being down a man, we have a much better chance of winning this round than, like, with the Reyna out of the game than if we are up four and the Reyna is in the game. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, like I there are the, games like that. Yeah, the, the situation that I'm talking about a little bit more here, though, is the at least seven out of ten people in this lobby, well, I guess seven out of nine, are better than me. Yeah, that's a hard duelist lobby to play in. It is. It is. Well, yeah. Because I think in well in your case you have to stop being like okay, I'm I'm first contact, but I am entry. Yeah. Um, in which you have to like kind of dive yourself into that role where you're like I'm not going to be taking engage like engagements very well, so I'm just going to be the entry and pull crosshairs and the mm-hmm. you know the three of those, you know, better people that are on my team can deal with the rest of them. Yeah. Um I think that's what you kind of have to do is if the rest of the lobby is just outclassing you is you have to use your utility that much better and not worry about your aim. Just be like, I'm not getting the kill. Do what else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Which is like, I mean, Alex in his own words has said that I've been, I've been doing my job regardless of what my performance ends up being. But dude, it just feels bad, man. Yeah. I like I'll think I'm having a good game. And like a lot of that's because I'm hovering around even, probably a bit negative, but like in my head I'm like, ah, oh, that, that's that's not bad. Like these guys are right, right. to me. Like I'm 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 doing just fine. And then at the end of the match I look at the scoreboard and I'm like dead last or like second to last. Right. Yeah, like, right. what the fuck? Like I thought I was having a good game. Welcome um, to a controller's life. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll I'll have so many good yeah. games where I'm like I'm playing so well right now like my smoke timing is great people are playing off of them and I look at the scoreboard I'm like oh I bottom fragged this entire lobby <laughs> and I'm yeah. uh, but I'm like yeah no I played really well that game I I don't feel like I bottom fragged it it just is also kind of a feels bad at the end when you're like oh yeah. was I that bad in this game yeah exactly yeah, yeah it's just like a feels bad I'm like let's we'll win the game I'll look at the scoreboard I'm like fuck yeah like we won that game I was doing a really good job and I'm like eight and sixteen. Yeah, you go up like I'm just like, you go up oh, like eleven, God. and you're yeah. like, really, it's like eleven? <laughs> I guess I will say one thing that like I don't do enough, but is probably the mm-hmm. best answer to your question of what to do when you're like getting outclassed 
is to do something that Wahujin is a big advocate for, which is coordinating with your controller and initiator players, mainly initiator players, to set you up to entry. To be like, hey, I would like to dash here. Could I get a flash there after I've dashed into so, my smoke? For reference, when I'm playing with Alex, I am not an insta-lock chat. Right, right. But like that was just the, the first example that came from yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will I will go jet, and I have no problem going jet and accepting that I am entry. Right. I am going in and I will die. But like what I'm saying is to coordinate please, that with your initiator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you get well, more like, value out of it, even if you don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, because like I know I know Alex is walking the Reyna. So that leaves at most one other duelist slot on board. Right. When I'm playing with Alex, I usually give other people prerogative of whether they want to take that duelist slot or not. Mm-hmm. Me as well. I mean, on, on that same line, you know, I had never watched Wuhujin, and you guys were, you know, big talking to, about Banana Man for a while. Um, yeah. I, I, I just, I'd never seen any of it. But within the last couple of weeks, I started watching a lot more of his, like, VOD reviews and stuff. Oh, cool. Um, one, I really like, I really like him and his videos. Um, and I also, I've been trying to, like, implement a lot of like the things that he says in, into my own gameplay, or at least like what I've been doing right now is uh, I'm not recording my games and I'm not like typing in chat and stuff. So I'm not doing everything that like I would need to, to get like a VOD reviewed by him, but I'm doing more of the in-game stuff that you're required to do. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, playing Brimstone on every map and trying to talk to my team. But then I'm realizing like more and more why, like, you know, I hate IGLing. Right, right, right. There's a reason why every time you guys have tried to make me IGL, I have been like, fuck no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, and he like requires you to IGL right, to, right. to yeah. review your VODs. Yeah, yeah. They're like, mm-hmm. it's like if they will look cool. at like four or five uh, random rounds and if uh, less than three of them, you didn't have pre-round conversations discussing your plans, uh, they won't review your video. I, I think... I, I do remember seeing this in one of his videos because he um he made note of this. Like if someone else in your game is taking on the role of IGL, like that's acceptable as well. How often does that happen in our rank? But it doesn't happen. Right. Right. It doesn't, well, no, no. I just remember seeing it because he was talking about it one game where he's just like, yeah, okay. He's like, I, I don't mind the fact that you're not like coming up with. Uh, like pre-round plays and stuff like that, because someone on your team is clearly already taken up the mantle. Um, but like, because my perspective of IGLing is, I like every once in a while being like, "Hey, I think we should try this." I don't want to do it every round. Yeah, and I definitely don't want to think about oh, what is the optimal play to do based on how I think the rest of the team is playing in general. I like. As Jet being like, where's this sage that is four and eighteen? I want to go bully her. <laughs> um, that's the kind of IGLing I like doing. Uh, but no, mm. it's just like oftentimes I'm like, hey, look, like, I think we can exploit this weakness on cat. Like, I'll, I'll I'll notice it in a given round, right? It's just like, hey, like, so and so is playing cat, and this is what they're doing. I think we can exploit this. Like, let, let's go tree here. Let's get like a smoke mid. Let's have, like, a couple of us push in. Let's have some guys, like, late go A main. Like, I, I don't mind doing that every once in a while. But, like, I definitely don't want to be trying to be the guy every single round. Yeah, to be doing that every round is hard. Yeah. I agree that I definitely do yeah. do that 
in certain rounds, like every few maybe, but to mm-hmm. do that in every round is very difficult. And there's a lot of times where you're kind of just like, well, we're just doing it. Like, I just want to shut up and not say anything. And we're, we're doing, we all have like a kind of mutual understanding here that we're hitting this site and this is how it's going to happen. Yeah. Everyone's position here pre-round. It's clear what people are thinking. I, yeah. I will say a cipher though, when I bunny hop towards like an area and like my, the idea in my head is like, yeah, I'm going to work. And then everybody else in the lobby just fucking bunny hops in behind me. And I'm right. just like, yo, this, this this defeats the purpose. They're like, oh, someone made a decision for us. Yeah. I'm like, no. That's where you got to bunny hop in one direction immediately after the pre-round starts and then go the other direction after the whole flock is heading mm-hmm. in the direction you initially went in. Well, like, okay, because, like, part of the thing is, like, and something I've actually, like, gotten good value out of doing on Split is, like, I'll bunny hop towards B. I'll set up my trip B to just cover through. I'm assuming our team is just going to fucking unga bunga down B main and nobody's going mid. Um, and so there's the quick flank potential through mid. So I'll set up my trip to cover for that. And then after everybody's grouped up on B, I'll just like fucking knife out, sprint my ass over to A and I'll do my A shenanigans. Got my cages. Can't really see what I'm doing. Like, I've got my cam to clear certain angles, and I like working my way up A. And then going vents if, like, we're hitting B, or just wrapping all the way through CT. Or maybe getting a pick or two, and then being like, yo, boys, I got A. Get your ass over here. Um, then, like, that's how I like to play Cypher on split. On attack, at least. Um, I just think, like, specifically as Cypher, just going A every single round and just being like, okay. You either have to deal with me, like, post somebody up here who is going to actively deal with me, or just be constantly aware of the fact that I might be behind you. And I like that concept, whenever we're hitting B. And then also, when you see my util A, you don't just assume, or, like, you might have the thought process, like, oh, like, he's just working here, and there could be five of us behind that cage. Right, right. Like, I'm a, I'm a really big, yeah, I'm a really big fan of, as Cypher on Split, just going A every fucking round. Um, and so yeah, I mean, that's like, kind of just like the point of having a lurker. Yeah, which like is very different from the way Tony describes a lurker. Well, we know we know that. We, we, which yeah, yeah, like we we've discussed in length. Well, I don't know if we fully have or not, but like we've discussed like, Tony enough in length yeah, for yeah, you yeah, to yeah. get we, to we that. Have. Yeah, to the point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I'm not a big proponent on the silent lurk. Right, right. I'm a huge proponent on the fact that you know I'm here. Deal with it. And then occasionally I like the silent work every once in a while. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, and going back to what you were saying about I, what you, you both were saying about IGLing, as the IGL for our premier team, I really like how things have evolved, which is that, you know, our first couple games, especially the very first game we did in Premier Beta 1, it was like everyone was just like waiting for me to make a call. And I wasn't making great calls. And that was just very stressful for me. But now I like the idea that, like, the majority, the way we are now, at least the way we were at the end of Premier Beta 2, is that on offense, when I'm IGLing, that, you know, the majority of the rounds, I have some idea of what we could do. But, like, if anyone else is thinking, has noticed, like Cass was saying, a vulnerability or just has an idea that's cool, like, they'll just call that out before I've even got a chance to, you know, come up with something. And then we'll do that. And that's great because I'm like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Like maybe it wasn't what I was cooking up, 
but let's let's try it out. And that takes a lot of stress off of me. And it's fun to have that like interplay of everyone's ideas getting layered in there and hopefully getting something going based on uh, how things are evolving. Yeah. I don't know. I also just remember this one game where we had uh, Kevin IGL. Oh, that was that was and, such a uh, fun game. Yeah. I, I'm like I know that I know that Chase hates that game because he was not having a good time in that lobby. But um, <laughs> Yeah. I don't remember this at all. But... Oh, okay. Well you you were just having a really hard time because like uh, Kevin had you posted up on B and you were just losing that gunfight a lot. Yeah. Um but like the general premise of it was this team is over pushing. We wait and we hold until like there's forty five seconds left on the clock. And then we group up and we hit, which was the general premise of what we were doing. Uh, and we just got so much value out of not using a lot of utility. And this team, or like the team we were going up against, just did not adapt and hold. Like they were constantly trying to like egress into areas in which they were not coordinated in using their utility to clear. And we're kind of pushing up, uh, like, uncoordinatedly. And we were just able to get picks off that. And then we'd hold. Like, it's not like we'd get a pick and then burst onto that site. Like, we'd get a pick and then we'd hold. And somebody would, we'd either hear people rotating off of, uh, of the site to go elsewhere. Or, like, someone would then, like, try to hit a quick flank and we'd get another pick. Like, it, it worked out really well. And I think a lot of that is because, like, I mean, again, we weren't playing in Premier, so it's not like they had someone trying to IGL for their side. But it was just a... We just got a ton of value out of playing slow and having someone direct when we are going to group up and play fast. Yeah, and I, uh, I would I, say that that probably would work worse in Premier for the reason that teams wouldn't react so predictably to that. But yes, I, that yeah. was a fun game. Also, I had a really good day with my aim that day. That helps. Really well. Those, game those are good days. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was just, I was winning my ones. Um, yeah. Which I, it, like, it, uh, I was just gonna say really quick. It, it, it's really funny because like Alex playing Reyna often takes ones. Uh, and we'll just yeah. get into games, and he's just like, "Dude, this is this is tough. Like, I'm just not winning my ones." Yeah, he doesn't have the rat tactics that I have uh, gained in my time of not taking fair ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just better than a lot of people, so that that helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, going back to what you were saying, though, Cast about Kevin IGLing. One thing that I've gleaned from Wohujin, I don't remember if he's necessarily laid it out as a principle, as much as he just talked about it in games, is that I think one of the single underest- biggest underestimated strategies for offense at our ELO, his contact explodes. Of just being like, you know, we're not going to stomp up to site where the people on site are coming, holy shit, they're all here, I'm going to go run away and play retake. But you just walk up, you know, kill the first person, and then, you know, explode from there. You've gained a significant bit of space before everyone is on alert. And then you, you know, take that 1v1 against someone who's less expected of it, get that kill, and now mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's a 5v4 where you have a lot more space than you would have otherwise, and the defense has had a lot less time to react to it. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, so that's that's something I think is just I've tried to incorporate that more in our premiere over the past season, and will continue to for sure. You know, I, I'm a big fan of the contact explodes. Um, yeah, you you call those a lot, especially like I'm thinking B site Lotus. Yeah, B site um, Lotus. I'm a big. It's fan like a of perfect. That. It's yeah. a perfect example to do a contact explode because you can take up that uh, that like mid hall space pillars, um, like very easily, and then explode onto site quickly. Yeah. So it, it's like a it's a perfectly laid out site for that sort of play, but I, I do like that in other scenarios as well. Yeah, they're definitely sometimes it's worse though. Like the probably the first example that comes to mind is like a site ascent. Like chances are very high that someone is at least jiggling like the initial angle. And at that point it doesn't really matter whether you're loud or not, because like they're gonna see you if you're all there. And then if you're Yeah, I think there are a lot of sites like yeah. that where there's an early angle that mm-hmm. someone's probably holding, right? Right, right. Which is like well, I guess this is something we 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 haven't really talked about at all, but like I know Hunter's played the new map, Chase of You. I've I've not yet. So I, I was gonna say we, we promised that we would talk about it this week, but I, I was gonna renege on that promise and say that we push it again. Yeah. Um I mean it's I, not I even in the competitive queue and yeah, you haven't played it yet. I, I haven't played that map so, either. So well, I, I I've I, seen I walkarounds, know. but Yeah, as last time, I guess I'll just say one little piece on it and leave it at that, which is that having played a good number of swift plays on it, um well, I don't know about a good number, like seven, something like that. Um I feel like I like it more than I thought I would that while a lot of the design principles are very basic and boring, like I was saying last podcast, in terms of the individual rooms, there are a couple things about the layout of the map that I think are fairly interesting. In particular, I really like, I guess it's a site, the one that has like the, the, the wraparound hall. I think that the way yeah. that that plays is very interesting. So hmm. I am I, not going to say it's a favorite map, Definitely, but I like it more than I thought I would. Okay. The, I think the site think with the big pillar in the things. middle is really kind of dull. The other site I think is super cool. And I thought you might a- like that one because of unconventional plants. And because everywhere on that site seems to be like a place you could plant and hold from a different location. Yeah, but I also feel like the plant for like uh, Maine is just the, the default. Similar to Breeze, where it's just so much easier to get that plant down like along the side of the pillar where you can yeah. watch it from. So like I I would I would still love to cook up some unconventional plants. I don't feel like it necessarily lends itself to them all that well though. Like yeah, I feel like like being... inherently given there's a pillar there. It's like, well, we know we have main. We might yeah. also have mid. Why would we plant elsewhere in which those two don't cover? Because there's a pillar there, it's inherently not open. Well, I think yeah, the and, ans- and pushing there's like a really bad angle to push to CT there. Yeah, yeah I, I think the answer to this, Actually, why you would you not push there, is because it's very easily flankable from both like true flank and then also from people coming from mid through the door. However, um, you know, I think a lot in a lot of cases in ranked people default to the default too much. <laughs> They're just like, oh, let's get that spike down in the easiest spot. So I think there's some really big value from unconventional plans. I just don't necessarily think people are going to be doing it all that often in ranked. Yeah, probably. It, it's hard for me to comment having not played on it at all. Um, but I, yeah. te- I technically know more than I did last week when we had the minor discussion. So there you go. Um, let's push it again. I'll definitely be playing some this week. So we can we can revisit when we actually have some some better play time, actual interesting things to te- talk about it. 
Yeah, it feels like we're winding down this podcast, but there's one topic that Cass hasn't brought up yet. Excuse me? That is? The guard. Oh, dude, that's a pro play thing on uh, no, whatever. We don't need to get into that. Oh, I mean, it's heated. It's I heated. mean... Well, maybe, I mean, we can push it to next week, see if anything else Yeah, like, either. I guess we can push it and see if there's any more information. What I'm going to say, like, about it right now is, like, it, from, from my perspective, it seems like bullying works. Mm-hmm. Important message for all kids out there. <laughs> bullying does its job. Um, the community bullied... I think you mean democracy. By... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The community has bullied, bullied Riot into, <laughs> um, into accepting Riot. possibly yeah. the, the yeah. five players in if they um, find a suitable quote-unquote org. Yeah, but, yeah, right. but like, uh, I've been seeing there, there's some guy who's famous on Twitter for running a spreadsheet for all off-season moves and stuff like that. Um, and at this point, it seems unlikely at best that the guard is remaining, or the X guard is remaining together. I don't know. And that, I think that was a requirement, week. right? Of well, we we don't actually know what the discussion was, yeah, but it seemed sure. like a requirement that if they were going to find an org to take them, it would have to be the same five players. Well, the assumption three... that I was seeing on Reddit was that it had to be three of the five. Yeah, I, I'm going to guess three of yeah. five because that's the requirement they've gone with in the past for almost everything related to players and org congruency um so i'm gonna assume it's three out of five is the like minimum requirement but yeah. uh there's definitely been rumors of that i don't know maybe three of five is possible but there's definitely been rumors of like certain people being picked up by certain teams yeah um, one of the best one i saw was from some guy on reddit who posted i saw this right before the podcast where he claimed he used a magic eight ball to predict all of the rosters going into 2024. And I don't know if he was being serious with that or not, because like all of the rosters made like solid sense. But, like the one that I thought was really spicy, it, it was hundred thieves minus uh, Derek minus stellar plus BCJ plus Valent. I was like, that's actually pretty cool. Cause like, I think BCJ is a very solid info initiator. And then Valen I think is a great IGL. Like, that could really fix a lot of the issues with 100 Thieves and be very interesting. Let me see if I can find this, like, Twitter post real quick. But, like, oh, yeah, here, here's the offseason spreadsheet. Um, There are rumors of Valen to Sentinels. Osmos uh, to Sentinels, obviously. I'm sure that's on there. Uh, That one's not on the sheet. Actually. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so there, yeah, there's rumors of Valen to Sentinels. Um, it is Marv is Marved is listed as unlikely, uh, and then Marved is listed as possible for NRG. Uh, John QT and Sadak are also listed as possible for NRG. Um, the main the main thing here being is uh, Sam and FNS have benched themselves yeah people are speculating yeah, people are speculating uh, that which, fns wants more roster control which energy is not giving him yeah which um well supposedly i mean actually some kind of confirmed that on his twitch stream oh okay. uh the org hasn't said anything 
but Som has pseudo confirmed on his stream that he and FNS are benching themselves and they're kind of a package deal. Um, who else? Which is very uh, interesting I, I know... to me because, like, you know, FNS and Crashies and Victor have played together for so long. The fact that FNS and Som are now, you know, latching on to each other is, is very interesting. I, and, well, I, I think yeah. the thing that came up was, uh, I, I, I think Som mentioned something of the sorts of FNS not having confidence that their current roster can win something. Which I think is fair, honestly. Um, and I also um, think I also think that like Crashies and Victor seem to be the inseparable duo, and I think mm-hmm. Crashies is a great uh, flex initiator player, and um, I think Victor is the real problem because while his flexibility in playing different agents is admirable, he just has had a tendency to have really bad games when it matters the most, and some of that is some of that's like we were talking about with me of. You know, him not being truly fantastic at any one agent. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think Victor is the real problem there. I think if it could be some uh, FNS crashies as the core and then pick up two new players, that makes a lot more sense than having, you know, the current roster minus artists trying to find someone else. Yeah, that is um, true. It's, it's hard. It's hard with Victor, especially because he had such a pop off regular season. Yeah. That, like you, you are saying, yes, like it, when it mattered, he didn't like show up. Which has been um, a problem in previous years. It's not like just this tournament. He's he hasn't had now. to in previous years. Is the uh, is the other thing? Well, in like peak years, is that his Ye, job no. wasn't yeah. to show up. His job was to get Yay in. Yeah, right. So right. like, it's a completely different role. And during the season, he, people were like, "Oh, can he? You know, can can he uh, fulfill like the the main fragger role?" And he he like answered back and said, "Yes, he can do that." Right, uh, right. But then when it came to the postseason, he couldn't do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Basically, it's been pseudo confirmed that Tex and Valen from the guard, the X guard, uh, have potential offers on board. Um, MCE for 100 Thieves, I believe, has confirmed that uh, he would like to bring Trent on. Trent has well, not said anything. What? You saying MC? Sorry, not hundred thieves. C9, okay, okay. C9. I was like that. I yeah, had heard. Yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. MCE for C nine yeah. has confirmed that, or I believe he's confirmed that he would like to bring on Trent, but Trent has not said anything of the matter. Um, well, I just think it would be really unfortunate, like in the end of this, to see only ten teams in. Like, I still want to see eleven teams in, just because that gives yeah. five extra players a space in tier one yeah right like i feel like i i don't care where these five x guard players go but i i want to see another five in tier one right i i also think that like this team does not have a bad shot like it's not like i like i feel like given how like oh like just the team as it is yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Has I feel a very good shot of like doing they, incredibly got, well. Yeah. Like, like, it, it, like I don't feel like they're lacking. Which, like, you know, I mean, in, they in fucking won years, ascension. Yeah, but like, I mean, like, I, I'm saying outside of that, like, there, like, there could be a situation where in future years, right, we see a team come through ascension and just being like, all right, well, like, I, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in them being able to to hold their own with some of the better teams in this league. 
Yeah, but especially because it's the first year, I think that it's the first year. It's a given that there are so many players outside of franchising that should deserve to be in that the winner of the all everybody else would be a solid contender Mm -hmm. in franchising. That makes sense to me. And, And also, you have to look at the fact that a bunch of the players from the guard turned down offers so that they could play together in tier two and make their way into tier one which they did ish yeah yeah ish that's what we're not really talking about even though we're talking about everything but yeah yeah Yeah. i mean trent has confirmed that he received multiple offers from a variety of teams uh to be in tier one and elected to play with the rest of his team to make their way in as the guard so that they could play together so, like, yes, I, I would like to see them come together as a group of five, Santu and Newarg. The two that are looking the most likely at the moment are G2 and FlyQuest. Um, yeah. I don't play League, so I don't know anything about FlyQuest. Uh, all I know is that they have a League team of some kind and some... I, I, I don't know. They're, they're a League of Legends org, I think. That, that's the only shit that I have about them. But yeah, like, my my take on the guard when it comes to their competitiveness is that um, I think that their current roster has a very good shot of like making it out of America's to internationals. I think that the biggest weakness on their team when it comes to internationals is that I I don't think Tex is a world class duelist. Like I think the rest of their team could hold their own. I think Tex is a solid duelist. I don't think he's world class, and I think that would be the biggest issue for them competing in VCT internationals as their current roster. Could be, but I'd like to see it too. Oh, sure, yeah. I would love. And to then, see especially it. Yeah. then, you get to see, oh, like how did the last year's tier two actually stack up to to the rest of tier one, right? Because mm-hmm. if they come in and dominate, then you're like, oh my god, was the tier two competition really where the competition was last year? Right, like, that's right. not really going to happen, probably. Yeah. But it could. It's a cool comparison to make if the right. same five come together, right, or stay together. Also, I agree. Tex was absolutely fucking disgusting on Chamber back during the Chamber meta. True, true. So maybe he like, gets back to that a little bit. Like, dude can fucking wield an operator. Yeah. Like, there, there's there's no arguing that. Um, but is he a Kang Kang? Yeah. Well, is I he mean, a Kang Kang or is he a Yay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a yay. Yeah. Um, That's the question. Also, there are no there are no rumors on Yay at the moment, which is yeah, none. Interesting. Yeah, just to be Try clear, not. I've seemed like a bit of a Yay hater on the podcast. I would love to see him get another shot, and he's a great guy, so I would love to see him have success. I as mean, well, presumably going he's going to get a shot from someone. Yeah, and there's no way. Like, he I, I I I can't Im- I can't believe if he doesn't get another go. Yeah, I feel like it would like, be. I feel strange. like what he's going to do is sign a deal with an org that doesn't give him a lot of money like up front, but has some like incentives for extra money if he does well, because he's, he's expressed that he wants to prove himself and not necessarily hold out for a big yeah. contract at this point. He, he's also said that he's willing yeah. to play for league minimum. Right. He just right. Wants to be one. Um, okay. The other interesting thing that I'm seeing here, just looking at this uh, spreadsheet is um, the only person who is pretty likely on C9 is Jake. Really? Everybody mm. else is listed as unlikely. Yeah, well, that, that probably comes down to something that I've been seeing a lot on Reddit, which is that a lot of the big NA franchising orgs had been paying some pretty absurd salaries. Like, I was hearing it was not uncommon in NA for the more popular players to be getting 30 k a month last season, 
which squares with the fact that Sentinels is saying that they're broke and FaZe had that leaked thing saying that like they were paying like over 200k a month for their Valorant team. And so I I think that there's a bit of a going to be a bit of downsizing in places of I think uh Nadeshot for 100 Thieves has come out and said they're looking to spend less money on their Valorant team. I think there's definitely going to be a bit of a salary reduction on average in NA at least and that's going to affect rosters to an extent. Yeah, people talk about like inflated salaries. Um, yeah, it just like I think monetization in esports is kind of a huge conversation topic at the moment. Um, yeah, but it kind of surprises me that they're not able to afford such high salaries um, for people that seem as high profile as they do in our space. Like, is the monetization just not there for esports in general? And how do they get that up? I mean, that's a completely another topic that is not for us to discuss mm-hmm. since we know absolutely nothing about this but uh i'm like yeah I, i'm just kind of surprised knowing yeah. like oh all of these orgs are broke what do you mean like they are household names for anybody that watches professional valorant right yeah but the big thing is yeah. i've paid zero dollars and zero cents to watch valorant yeah i, think I mean that, i yeah i think that uh if it really comes down to it, something that's been thrown around for a long time that could really help the orgs is just having uh, in-game purchasables um, to support your your orgs, which are coming. Which Riot this has year. said they're bringing. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, they're bringing out. Yeah, so if you could like buy a Sentinels buddy, and you know, eighty percent of that goes to fifty percent of that goes to to Sentinels, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that would be huge and would, I mean, probably. Yeah, Chase and me will definitely be keeping buttons. PRX afloat as soon as they release some PRX. <laughs> yeah, been, yeah, yeah. Give me how many times do I need to purchase a buddy for it to be on all of my guns? Is that <laughs> yeah. how many times do you need to purchase a buddy to get uh, the Singapore government to allow or whatever? The, I think it's Singapore to allow Jing to not serve in the yeah. military. That's the question because <laughs> that's what he and Chase will do. Yeah, no, uh, I was going to say that I think that a big part of it is that esports was being treated like before like spring of 2022 or sorry 2023 yeah before this spring was uh, was very much being treated as like a venture capital thing of like this thing that has a lot of potential for future growth and people were okay with it operating at a significant negative because of the idea that this is a growing market that could get a lot more you know monetization in the future and then the bubble kind of burst where people were like you know what there's only so much money we can make off this and we are paying we're losing so much money that's not actually going to be turned around because of all this potential that's not materializing. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's tough. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like the, yeah, like the lack of a TV deal, like in my mind is a big thing. Cause that's the thing that all like sports or like professional quote unquote, regular sports are like going um, towards yeah yeah is like they've got some big ticket tv deals and yeah people pay for cable uh and that is how you watch your games um and that's just not a thing about it. so like i don't well we'll see what next year because rad has said that they're coming out with like uh team skin lines uh like for guns and stuff like that so like which is apparently a talking point in like the ascension team doesn't get that yeah, which Riot has come out and said that like it takes them often over a year to produce a skin line. Uh, so like it kind of makes sense that they can't like they don't know who the fuck is winning Ascension. 
So it's not like they can preemptively just make skin lines for all these teams that aren't going to make it through Ascension to then release their skin. Um, so it kind of makes sense that that's not a thing, but like, I don't know, we'll, we'll see how, we'll, we'll have to see how that all works out. Because like, at least, I don't see myself buying a team skin line. Like, it'd have to have some really fucking sick animations and other stuff. I can see myself buying a PRX skin, that's for sure. I wasn't joking when uh, I said that earlier. Yeah, but like, I don't know, we'll, we'll have to see how that all breaks Yeah. Down. I don't know, there, there's just not a whole lot of information. It's the fucking beginning of the offseason for competitive, so like, the shit's probably a long ways out. I mean, I, I, I kind of doubt we're getting any new information soon. Yeah, it's yeah. probably going to take a while, and it's going to be a slow drip that doesn't feel like a, you know, silly season, as they call it in other sports. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to be like a one transfer per month, and then you're going to be like, oh, when did this whole team change? Whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's wrap this shit up. Yeah. Um, this podcast is a day late, as it often is, so... Um, I wouldn't say yeah. often. I'd say we're 95% of the time we get it out on time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Long weekend shit. But uh, we'll drink with you later.